Hello everybody and welcome back to an interseason episode from your boys at the Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton. Give me a stage where this bull here can rage, and though I could fight, I'd much rather recite. That's entertainment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. For those who get it, they get it. For those who don't, I, well. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm intrigued to see if any lessons picked up on that one. I, I like how cryptic we go sometimes with our little intros. <laughs> sometimes it's like, hello and welcome to the Saw episode. And you're like, oh yeah, it's about Saw. And then you get nice little cryptic hints like that. And joining Matt and I, as always, it's Tim Matum. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't sequelize. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, excellent. So, we're getting stuck into the interseason stuff. It's time for the second episode of this interseason break between season eight and season nine. And uh, something a little interesting, something we don't often talk about on this show. We're going to be talking some sports ball this episode. <laughs> That's right. Three white dudes talking about sports on a podcast. Get used to it. It's it's an original concept. It's going to take over the world. I mean, films is a close second to the other obvious one. <laughs> that and politics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we've covered all three in various points I on this show. I think there's more films podcasts than there are sports podcasts. Mm, I think you very much underestimate how many sports podcasts there are. <laughs> Possibly. It's not there's something I've thoroughly investigated. Every, every fucking... Every fucking NFL football player and wrestler, they sort of count, and and MMA fighter and all these fucking guys have their own podcast. So, yeah. Technically, Joe Rogan is a UFC commentator as well, so he kind of counts for oh, like yeah, a million a fucking point. listens on... And he does his MMA version of his show and this whole thing. <laughs> anyway, we're way off topic already. And before we get talking about sports, and don't worry, we're talking about sports movies because this is still the sequelizers. Let's say a little thank you to our wonderful patrons on patreon.com slash sequelizers. Because, dear listeners, if you go to patreon.com slash sequelizers, you can get early access, you can get ad-free episodes, you can get full bonus episodes during this interseason. That's right, you get whole extra episodes, not just outtakes like you get from the main season, which are some of the funniest things we do, by the way. You get full bonus episodes, and we've got a couple we're going to be recording real, real soon. So... Look forward to those. You can also get exclusive merch, discounts on our entire merch store, and if you go to the highest of the tiers, you can even pick an episode for us to talk about, and you get a shout-out because you're an executive producer, just like these fine folks are. Andy Steen. You think you tell me something? What, like, uh, boxing stains or something like that? You don't think triple ships or working nights on the scaffolds is just as likely to get a guy killed? How many guys died the other night living in cardboard shacks trying to save on rent money? Guys who are just trying to feed their family? Because men like you have not yet quite figured out a way to make money out of watching that guy die. Mike Salvia. Teachers ain't supposed to touch students. I'm not a teacher. 
I'm the new basketball coach. Jonathan Firth-Clark. What's so fucking funny, giggly bits? Xenos. It's getting tough out there, Bob. You can say that again, Bob. It's getting tough out there, Bob. Never mind, Bob. Josh Miles. Son of a bitch, Paul. Why didn't you just go home? That's your home! Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Suck my white ass, Paul! Michael Belcher. I'm going to look out for myself, and I'm going to get mine. See, man, that's the worst attitude I ever heard. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. And Josh van der Sluice. You mean to tell me that you went home and swiped a ball that was signed by Babe Ruth, and you brought it out here and actually played with it? Thank you very much for your support, as always, our lovely executive producers. And like I said, if you want to join them, go to patreon.com slash sequelizers and make a lovely pledge on there, and we'd very much appreciate your support. So, with intros out of the way, should we talk some sports movies? Hey, gentlemen? What's our own personal history of sport here? Are we sporty people? Are we all sporty spice? No. No, I'm very, I'm very <laughs> much I guess, baby spice. I guess spice. in this situation, I'm baby spice. Baby, baby spice isn't necessarily oh, an two baby it's spice. It's not necessarily an age thing. It's an attitude thing. So I, th- I think I'm the sportiest of us. You're, you're the one behind the scenes here, listeners. You're the one wearing a rugby shirt right now. So yes. yeah, I guess so. That was an unintentional shit. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm very much into rugby and sumo. Um, <laughs> great fucking film content for me, um, <laughs> of which there is very, very little. Um, Matt just loves watching big men run into each other. <laughs> Clearly. I can't think of a rugby film. Is there a rugby film? Yeah, Invictus. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll come back to those later. Don't worry, everybody. Um, yeah. So, I, 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 in this country of the United Kingdom of Great Britain, um, as it as it's known for now, um, there is very much a clear assumption, and it's mostly based on class, that you will get into certain sports based on your background, and the easiest to pick up. Uh, easy to learn, hard to master, is football. And for that we mean soccer for Philistines. Um, and it's because I remember playing football with my friends with like a table, a, a table, a, t- a whole table with uh, a tennis ball. Because if you didn't have a football at school, you'd have like a tennis ball, you'd kick that around. It's the idea of literally, it's very easy to do. You set up go- jumpers for goalposts and you um, just kick the ball towards it, have someone goal. It's quite an in inverted commas inclusive and easy thing however it is remarkably dull in my opinion and i've had to endure so much. i mean i i'm not a football fan but because i'm from highbury i'm an arsenal fan i don't have a choice about that that's just what i am mm. my brother's obsessed with football and he's a really big arsenal fan um and i've seen a game i've seen one live game of football at the old arsenal stadium before it moved to the emirates and um, it was fine. I really enjoyed it. Again, this is the key point here. Sports Live is really entertaining and really immersing and really engrossing. On the television or in a pub, it's piss boring for me. Unless you are invested in it because you know about the rules and you have a team you support, whatever it is. Um, so I've played rugby in my past. I broke a lot of joints that way. Um, and I've done fencing and... Um, it depends if you want to consider. Of course, you have yeah. you absolute problems. <laughs> if you consider horse riding and and um, and 
jump horse jumping stuff that's a sport then yes i've done that too oh fuck off <laughs> we had horses you're an, equ- you're an equestrian fence shooting an archery Fucking counts then yes if you're in the olympics wise i thought i thought i thought you're a working class man Matt nah, that, that loves to of. suppose that he's like this this you know oh i'm cockney Sort-y yeah I love, come from come from the arsenal training ground you know and it's like no but actually <laughs> i'm a horse riding fencing rugby playing toff <laughs> i like the sports but that's kind of the point it, it very much has the sports you like and the teams you support etc have such an, a key association for you as a person and have big old thing i remember as a kid it was all oh, you're manchester united or you know whatever it was going to be arsenal or liverpool something like that and the same thing around the world where, because then you leave certain countries and go somewhere else there's suddenly the other big sport that's going on here it's like oh what's your i remember having this opinion uh, sorry opinion I remember having this conversation with uh, an American friend. It's like, oh, who, which team do you follow? And I was like, oh, uh, this. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about NFL. I was like, well, I don't, I don't support NFL. I know, I know. Okay, I get that. But just name a team. It's like the Raiders, the Pirates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Raiders. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, okay. I see how it is. And it's like, do you? Because I fucking don't. Um, and that, it's just that tribalist mindset. Of, I want to have something to talk, even if, not in necessarily an antagonistic way. Of I want to have this. Uh, you know, this reason or something to spark off talking to. And it can get obviously very aggressive and bad, but um, yeah, sports as a thing, I find interesting for certain things. I follow the sumo and rugby very closely and enjoy both a lot. I have various bits of merchandise and I've seen live performance, performance, live, uh, live games and things. Um, but that's kind of the point. It's, it's, it's something that I don't need in my cinema world too much, but we'll come back to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, you guys must have some sort of, Obviously, we, sport is mandatory in this country. You have to do PE in school. So you have an example of, oh, well, I had to do running and I fucking hated it. We did trampoline. Does that count? Oh, I can do ping pong and like, you know, does beer pong count? That kind of thing. There's always some sort of history of it. It's just, we don't necessarily, it's, it's a thing you either, you live for or you are forced into. See, I'm a Norwich lad, as the listeners and you two know, born in Norwich lived in Norwich for the vast majority of my life. However, again, as you two know, and some of the listeners might know, my dad's from West Ham. (laughs) So there is a certain uh, conflict in our family, shall we say. Does he hate your on-the-ball city tattoo? Well, yeah, exactly. It's all resolved by the fact that I don't give a fuck about football. So that (laughs) solves that problem quite easily, which helps. But yeah, I was taken to quite a few Norwich City games when I was growing up. My dad was just, you know, doing the typical dad thing of like, let's take you down to the to Carroll Road, which is our the, the the stadium here in Norwich, and see what it's like and all this kind of bullshit and see if I can get you into football. I actually ended up working at Carroll Road in the like pie shop slash snack <laughs> bar thing for a summer and I fucking hated every second of it. Yeah. So uh yeah, that was when I was doing like temporary work through an agency and stuff. And it just made me hate football even more. And unfortunately, I am one of those nerds that only really likes the combat sports side of things. Team sports, I just don't get. I just don't get the loyalty to a particular... Tag we, teams. We, I could never have told that when you started off by saying we're doing a thing about sports. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm I'm one of those people. For... for I hate to live up to all the stereotypes and stuff, but I'm the guy that only watches boxing and jiu-jitsu and UFC and 
pro wrestling is not a sport, but I watch a lot of pro wrestling and and that kind of stuff. But I just don't get football or American football or baseball or hockey or any of this shit. I used to play rugby when I was younger, much like Matt. I have many horrible stories of injuries of me and my teammates yep. and, <laughs> and, and fighting between local school teams and all this kind of stuff, as you can imagine, like 14, 15, 16-year-old boys just getting into punch-ups and stuff and having to be separated by PE teachers and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, since then, I've kind of occasionally watched rugby. I will occasionally tune into something, but I have no interest in in football or anything like that, pretty much. <laughs> uh, I, am, I am the UFC and the wrestling guy to most people. And occasionally boxing as well, but boxing's also a bit of a bit of a sham and a lot of times a lot of bullshit going on. Lot lot too too many Paul brothers going on in boxing for my liking. I think like every sport <laughs> there is a realm of integrity and a realm of show bullshit. And th- again, I don't I I think that's in every every single sport to be fair. I can't think of a single one that hasn't either been hit by corruption or bullshit. Yeah, and I think I think boxing's close association with like Las Vegas and gambling and stuff like that. Organized crime. Yes. Yeah, uh, has gives it a, a strong path to bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, entirely. Um, so Jack just mentioned something very important just there. Pro wrestling. Um, oh, I was gonna say sports ball. Sports ball, as we all know, is my favorite balls to sport with. And <laughs> um it's the question of what does and doesn't count because we actually had this discussion beforehand of like, oh, does this count as sports? And it's like, well, and the, it's a very contentious point because there are some things we we're going to list probably. People are going to say, no, fuck off, that is a sport, and people will defend to death. And it's in terms of like legitimacy. Some people say, oh, well, that's not a thing, and they'll say that's a pastime. That doesn't count. It's like, fuck you, golf is a pastime. That, yeah. it's like, no, 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 golf is a sport. It's like, I don't, what, what constitutes a sport? So some that I have, we, we've sort of struck off the list, shall we say, um, things like chess, for example. Chess isn't a sport, even though there are tournaments and it's a live event mm. and there are two players and you have opposing moves and things like that. So mm. it should count. Um, bowling isn't a sport, even though by every definition it should be a sport. I don't understand why it's not considered a sport. Uh, darts again. That's always seeking legitimacy. Um, doesn't have it. Pool is and isn't a sport. Billiard, snooker, pool. That all comes under us. Like, is it a, is it a sport or not? And wrestling is a really really interesting one because they say no because it's scripted. Now that one makes sense because that's like, oh okay, I can see, I can see why. But then equally, then you do also have, as 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 Jack will uh confirm there are versions where uh there are so hardcore things in the ring that yes okay you have the element of control where the ref is you know uh adjudicating what's going on and there's this sort of agreed uh process between both wrestlers in the ring but if you have a load of like tacks and a broken fucking light bulb a halogen <laughs> light bulb there's only so much you can kind of fake and plan and prepare for effectively. So I don't know how uh, much that can. And I, I talked about that. And when I talked about the David Arquette thing, that's for, right. For that's patrons right. who have listened to our, what we watched recently from a little while ago, David Arquette nearly died. And that was yeah. real. Yeah. <laughs> and that's he was the thing. a fucking idiot who didn't know what he was doing and got involved in professional wrestling mm. because I guess I'll do a death match, which by the way, is what Matt just described with all the thumbtacks and fucking staple <laughs> yeah. guns and, class and stuff yeah idiot is that any more of a lesser an endurance sport than 
running. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it's, it's athletic, but it's not a competition. So it's a weird thing of like, the results are predetermined, but you have to be really fucking fit to do that kind of stuff, to actually lift a dude above your head and all that kind of stuff. So there's an athletic element to it. It's not just like acting and stage stuff. There is an athletic side to but it. There's but there's an athleticism to stuntman work as well. So it, yeah. It's it's basically choreography and stunt work, essentially. Yeah. 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 That's that's the thing. There's plenty of things that require a high level of physical skill that I wouldn't necessarily think of as a sport. Like, you know, fucking skydiving. Like podcasting, Tim. <laughs> like podcasting. Um it's, it's the the biggest in, endurance sport known to man. Um, hey, a fucking six-hour recording. Sometimes it really fucking is, <laughs> and that's true, yeah. actually. Yeah, in a sweaty room. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's there's plenty of stuff that requires, like even the stuff, some of the stuff we've just mentioned. Like obviously, people who play like darts, for example, or bowling at, at, at professional levels, like can do things that I could never do in their in their chosen field. But I'm does it still count as a sport though? Like chess, I would say definitely doesn't, even though. Like now, I read a fascinating article about how like chess players getting in really good shape has become like a a significant part of like high level chess because they have to concentrate for so long and like stuff like having good posture and good circulation actually becomes part of it. Um, mm. So th 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 there's there's a lot of fuzzy areas over like what is a sport. Skateboarding's going to be in the Olympics, you know, this year, and there's some people yeah, who would yeah. say like that's not a sport. Um, and I suppose again, mm. it depends. It depends how you do it. Like, you know, all the kind of world's strongest man, like, is pulling a lorry a sport? It's like, well, <laughs> sometimes it is, and sometimes it's how you get your lorry home. Um, <laughs> uh, so there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of wiggle room. Um, I I would say it 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 very much is a case of classic legitimacy from an external peer um what we consider sports today is and isn't and it always changes and it's always fluctuating and one of the key examples of that is esports um it's like playing a video game isn't a sport it's it's a fucking multi-million pound fucking installation it's doing <laughs> it does the same numbers people wear the jerseys people go for these huge arenas i don't they see go the they go to stadiums and are broadcast yeah. across the world and mm. have commentators yeah and people are paid millions of dollars with sponsorships and competitions and all this kind of stuff so is that the opposite of wrestling in that there's a competitive side to it but not really an athletic side to it. Yeah. <laughs> like, is, that, is it uh, to me? I guess the competition side makes a sport. Does that make sense? Sort of. Does it mean yeah. Takeshi's Castle is a sport? Yes, definitely. The the <laughs> highest of yeah. sports. The Na the Nathan's hot dog eating contest on the July Fourth is is the king of sports. <laughs> but again, it's a question of dates and legitimacy. Something we will say like. That's never. I mean, this is this is true of all sports history, which we're not going to get into. Obviously, some things are like, oh no, this was just a fun thing we did, and now it's an official, legitimate thing. And and usually, let's face it, comes down to are there a lot of rules and bylaws, and is it like very exclusive to get into it? And more importantly, can people make fucking money off it? That seems to be the real, um, real gateway into legitimacy, shall we say? Hmm. And I think there's also an element of clarity. I think the biggest sports are the ones where you can very easily, at the end of a thing, point at something and go, well, that person or team is the winner because they've either that, scored fair. more points or like run faster or jumped higher. 
or yeah. whatever. I think you can mark their success. Eat more, <laughs> more hot, hot dogs. dogs. Uh, exactly. Kept inside them longer. Yeah. Um, I- I've got a bit of a, a statistic here, by the way, just to throw this out here, just just, just off the off what? the bat. I, I'm the research and stats man, Matthew. How dare you? <laughs> it's true. Matt's, Damn true. Matt's the Matt's the dandy who comes along with his fencing and his horse riding <laughs> and his artistic notions. <laughs> Says pass, pass the laudanum. I feel an inspiration <laughs> is about to strike. <laughs> Damn you, Tim! You cutting beast! Why are you so poignantly accurate? You piece of shit! Um, no, it's I don't have dueling counts, but I would happily slap your face with a glove and challenge you to a duel <laughs> right now. Um, no, um, you look like a glove wearing kind of guy, Stockton. I mean, when it gets cold, I wear gloves. Yeah, sure. I'm not a glove slapping kind of guy. When, um, when I need to bloody throw a gauntlet at somebody, I'm I'm, I'm definitely I'm a killer person kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's an interesting statistic as a parallel for you. Um, I did a bit of research and I was looking at the parity, shall we say, disparity between the most popular sports worldwide in terms of estimated fan base and supporters and things and movies made about sports and how they are in no way similar. Yeah. So we'll go through the sports movies first because that might not be much of a surprise. So I've categorized things and I kind of group things in here. So, uh, but I think you, you, you'll, you'll forgive me that. 10 is the most contentious um, because it's Olympic yeah, sports. Number 10. So including things like anything where shit goes off a shovel, like fucking on ice. So like anything with skiing or tobogganing or any of that shit, as well as... Um, there's a film called The Bronze, which is basically an athletic sort of comedy, which is not mm. with Sebastian Stan and uh, Mercer Ralph. Um, that kind of thing. So Olympic sort of based stuff, fine. That's one thing. Next up is golf. Very few golf films, but we can all name one. Usually we go, oh, I don't. Um, uh, oh, yeah, wait. Happy Gilmore. There we go. That's, that, that shouldn't Tin go as a sort of hockey film. Tin Cups. Bag, bag of Bag of Ants. Yeah. You, yeah, exactly. You get through the handful. I, I can name a handful. Yeah. Tennis. There are surprisingly internationally a few tennis films. And it's like, oh, more than golf. And most of the big ones being Wimbledon, which is dog shit. But there's also most recently the, <laughs> the, the McEnroe one with um, Borgvist and McEnroe with uh, Shia LaBeouf. Oh, yeah. And there was the... Um, Battle of the Sexes oh, one with Emma Stone, Stone and, and Steve Carell. Steve Carell. That's yeah. exactly right, yeah. Then there's football, as in British soccer, football, international football. Um, there's a handful of these. We'll get back to that because it's less about the actual football itself and more about the fans of football mm. and what they do. Um, <laughs> beat the shit out of each other. That seems to be the main following. Uh, speaking of beating shit out of each other, ice hockey is next. Um, hey. Big thing in the fucking 80s because of obviously with all the, you know, what can we sort of beat the Russians at? Oh, I know, mm. ice hockey uh, and Mighty Ducks and all that sort of thing. Um, Miracle, and then, which was 2014. Miracle, the yeah. um, Kurt Russell. Yeah, and uh, the uh, the Goon films from yes. Canada. Nothing's been off. Oh yeah, God. Again, another bit of contention: racing films, films with cars or films with horses, Sea Biscuit, that kind of thing. Secretariat, but also Ford vs Ferrari and so on and so forth. Racing films in general. You could also arguably include Cannonball Run in that. Maybe um, it's still a a contest. So mm. there's that. Um, then you have the top four. And they are in reverse order, basketball, American football, baseball, and the very broad fighting. So, <laughs> UFC, MMA, 
boxing, all that shit into one, just people punching people in the face in a tournament, whether it's fucking Enter the Dragon and it's an undercover kind of thing, or if it's um, Here Comes the Boom with fucking Kevin James. You know, the, the, oh, God. they, all, they yeah. all count, basically. <laughs> so that's what we have in terms of films. Sports world is different. The actual world of sports and people's appreciation is very different. I'll go in proper order here for you. The number one sport around the world with an estimated 4 billion supporters is unsurprisingly football. It is the most As popular. As in soccer. Yes, precisely. It is, it is the sport of, of human beings. Mm. Um, s- followed by a very huge drop off of 2.5 billion. Cricket. Cricket is huge around the world. Do, do you know why it's so big? Colonialism. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, yes. Specifically that, but slightly less specifically. India's population is fucking massive. Yeah. yeah. And it... as you said, the Brits brought it to India because we're terrible people and they were part of the empire mm-hmm. back in the day. Therefore, they have this weird like, love for cricket, even mm. though, yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm sure that there's probably many Bollywood films about cricket, but the only cricketing film I can think of is uh, the John Hamm one, which involves cricket players being brought over oh. to play baseball. Yes. Um, Million Dollar a... Arm, I believe it's called. Million Dollar Arm, yes. Yeah. We'll, bring, we'll, we'll talk about that later, don't worry. <laughs> um, the third one, with two billion, is hockey. I don't mean ice hockey, I mean just regular hockey. But the interesting thing I, here I, is... Does that include ice hockey as well? I don't think it term? does. I think, I think it must do. All hockey, because I think the... Yeah, this one comes down to that it's a huge female league. And obviously mm. there are things... And obviously there's, we should point out women's football is including football. There's a huge women's league. They're very successful, etc. But yeah, hockey is primarily played by, or as far as I understand it, played by women. So it's effectively a, a very strong supported thing. I don't know. That's what I think. Anyway, next one down, one billion tennis. Unsurprising, tennis is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I can name tennis stars, that kind of thing. Nine hundred million volleyball. Interesting. I, all yeah. Th- all thanks to Top Gun. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, dead then or alive. Look, yes. Yeah, it is. Mainly um, dead or alive beach volleyball. Yes. <laughs> to be fair, high might be something to do with it, but that's for a very weedy. Uh, Who hasn't wanted unit? to play with the boys? <laughs> The bottom five, or the other, the, the six to ten, I should say, um, is table tennis, basketball, baseball, rugby, golf. Yeah. And it's like, huh. But American football. I would have assumed basketball was higher than that. It mm. doesn't even get in there. I, again, it comes down to, to, to um, who's... Actually, I think hockey. I think hockey's huge in China. <laughs> that might be it entirely <laughs> now, I think about it. Um, but this is, this is the point. It comes down to... A, a, a disparity between what is popular, what do people enjoy, and what do studios want to make? What are scripts being made for? It's not like, oh, these are the most popular sports we could tap into this huge fan base. It comes down to, we like telling these stories because we're familiar with these settings, these things. And, it's, and again, most of them are American. So at the end of the day, you will see American-based sports. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating. You know, I think a huge reason, apart from colonialism and other things that that, <laughs> that association football um is so huge and is the world's most popular sport is because the barrier to entry is like we said basically mm. nil all you need is a Very football true. and some markers and you can do that you can even 
all you need is a ball that will roll when you hit it. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, like Matt said, you, you you know, I can remember playing with tennis balls on, you know, um, sort of tarmac playgrounds and stuff like that yep. as a kid. Um, and when you look at a lot of the popular American sports that have the most films made about them, like American football, huge barrier to entry. You need pads and, um, you know, Friends. Yeah, a huge, <laughs> big amount of friends. You've got complex, like, different plays being, you know, sort of all that kind mm. of stuff. Baseball, big barrier to entry. You need a diamond that you've, you know, marked out. You need the balls, the bats, the umpires and stuff like that. Um, the closest that America has in terms of its big sports is basketball, which has a pretty low barrier to entry. You need mm. a hoop, but, you know... That's that's fairly simple and a basketball. Um, so it's it's there's some real interesting stuff there. But also, I think part of that, there, there might almost be a correlation between what is easy to play and what is most cinematic, because I think there's also a part of the reason that we don't get many football slash soccer films is that it's not a very cinematic game. <laughs> um, it's a game that is actually kind of incredibly hard to... Because of the pace of it, it is a, it's a game that runs for a long time without a lot of breaks. There's no opportunity. Um, American sports, especially baseball and especially American football, are full of these opportunities for, hey, let's have a break and let's have the coach give an inspirational speech. Yes, yes. In, in football, you get one chance to do that and it's half time and then they play for another 45 minutes. And all I was going to say, can, it's 45 minutes in already. Yeah, yeah, and all you can do is stand on the sidelines and yell. Uh, if yeah, that's which not no one the, can hear. <laughs> yeah, which, which, can't, which can't be heard. Because you're team. drowned out by a crowd of tens of thousands of people behind you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I'm sure we'll get into this more late later. Yes, but yes. um yeah, it's that's that's a very interesting list, Matt. And I think it does show like in a lot of ways, Hollywood is leaving money on the table when it comes mm. to sport because there's so many popular sports. And I'm sure, you know, with a sufficiently talented filmmaker, you could find ways to make definitely football slash soccer really cinematic, or, you know, you could find ways to make volleyball or well i mean volleyball we've already seen it it's top gun, top gun. um <laughs> but you know all, all these other sports that are lacking um really pop on film but because sports films and we'll get into this as well tend to be quite formulaic no one's come along and innovated in the ways that they need to to make these other sports that don't fit that rigid mm. like formula yeah. work in a cinematic way no i think i think you you're very much on something there because as an artist as a director myself and a writer and such I, I i fundamentally can't agree with part of that i i believe that you can adapt any sport but i would mm. say with the money on the table kind of thing it's the question of who are these films are for so for example the sports movie's been put out when you're watching a film about american football if you are watching it internationally, there's a lot of language that it just assumes you know 
through uh, just through proxy. Mm. And it's like, well, mm. no, I don't because I'm not in that culture. And we grew up on a lot of American TV series uh, in the 80s and 90s and 2000s and stuff. And you just, you don't get much in terms of like explainers. In the same way when people watch British TV, they're like, <laughs> I don't get that reference, but that's funny. It's funny. <clears throat> that kind of thing. And sports is one of the most alienating because of it. Now, I don't think statistically people go and watch films solely about the sports they like. So for example, um, oh, this is good. We're going, to, we're going to tap into this one market. It's perfect. We're going to get into the, the table tennis market. We'll fucking have them here. This is great. Table tennis is so easy to understand. It's tennis on a smaller scale. More intense, if anything, because it's faster. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, we put a great, you know, one of the best memorable sequences of fucking, you know, Forrest Gump. It's him playing ping pong. And it's, it's oh, it's so cool. You got the generational rivals as well, the international thing. Oh, so much you could do with it. It's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, you could do. Um, and then they released this film and all the table tennis enthusiasts, all the, as I said earlier, fucking nearly a billion of them go, I'm not watching that film or don't know it exists. Or everyone else goes, I'm not watching that film because I don't care about table tennis. Are you, are you um, decrying the failure of Balls of Fury here, Matt? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Damn you, Christopher Walken. What were you thinking? <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I genuinely feel it is a case of even when they're making a movie like Evan, any given Sunday, for example, it's an Al Pacino movie about you know, football, American football. And it's like, cool, I watched it because Al Pacino was in it. I watched it because of the people behind it, people making it, the writing involved. I thought, this is going to be interesting. It was fine. But the point is, I don't think people went, oh, fucking hell, I love NFL. I'm going to rush out to see this film in the same way that sometimes it is a bridge to that sort of stuff. Um, but we'll get, we'll get back to that. It sort of reminds me a little bit of this was probably about five years ago now mm. when there was there was lots of discussion about like uh what what constituted being a gamer um, oh yeah and oh, God, and all yeah. these people who were who were going like oh if you play games just play games on your mobile phone you're not a gamer um and someone from the call of duty uh like development or pu publisher team um was like yeah, we kind of don't disc uh, don't consider people who play Call of Duty gamers because all they play is Call of Duty and they don't play anything else. Um, and I think there's a similar thing of of like people who love, say, a football team. You know, if you're a big Arsenal supporter, you love watching them play. You're going to keep up to date with the other football. Uh, you know, clubs because you want to know who you're facing off against, who your yeah. team's potentially going to buy as players and stuff like that. But you have no, there's less interest in watching a fictional football team that you have no connection with in a film. Uh, if the story isn't good, you know, especially like, I think that's the thing is that fundamentally sports films, <laughs> makes it's an obvious point to, to make that like they're only good if they're good uh you know <laughs> and, and in and in a way once if they're good You're not wrong tim then the sport doesn't actually matter because it's mm, keying into yep. more human more kind of fundamental human emotions about you know like competition or a drive to succeed or determination or overcoming odds yeah. like at the end of the day you can take a sport that's completely obscure and if you make a good film, then people will care about it even if they don't care about the sport. And likewise, if you make a bad film, even people who care about the sport are going to, might watch it out of curiosity, but 
it's not going to blow up. There was there was uh, this would have been about 10, 15 years ago, the Goal series of films, yes. which had a made a big deal about the fact that they were actually shooting at it's Newcastle, wasn't it? Football grounds during like they they'd like have the match and then they'd shoot some of the film afterwards, yeah. kind of thing, so that the crowd mm, would still be yeah. there and they'd you know try and make it as real as possible. And those films kind of sunk without a trick. I don't think the third one even came out in cinemas, or if it did, it was a very limited release. No. I've seen the first two. They're okay in terms of just, just films about sports. They yeah. do the proper thing about antagonism. But at the end, but equally, it doesn't seem to capture anything of what football seems to be. Even though it is, it is it's about a kid who comes from a, a pov- impoverished area and he's good at football. Then he gets transported to Newcastle and he can't play because he's out of his element. He's uncomfortable. He gets obviously mocked by other people in the tryouts and things. He's obviously worked in somewhere that's very hot as a climate and he's going to somewhere that's like fucking the rainy Northeast <laughs> in England. It's like, there's a line in the film, I think, which is like, I don't think that boy's even seen mud. That kind of thing. Because it's like, you know, this is not your mm. usual environment. But obviously he works hard. And he does all the usual things you'd expect from the beats of a sports film. And he's got the big passion. He's like, he's going to play for Newcastle. Oh my God, it's a Premier League. Oh, everyone knows what it is. And it's just like, great. But also, nobody cared. Yeah. Well, some people did, but not enough. Oddly enough, it's something you and I were talking about a little while ago, Tim. We are talking about Moneyball. I think we were talking about sequelizers, funnily mm. enough, in, in some form or another. And you said something that really stuck out to me that was basically what you just said. You can take a boring sport and make a really good film out of it. And the, the reason why so many sports films work so well is that it adds narrative to a thing that doesn't necessarily yeah. have a narrative. You're able to build this personal relationship with a character or a group of characters or whatever it is and build that into suddenly a, a football team going through a tournament becomes this emo- emotional roller coaster because you know that this character's dad just died and he was his original coach so now he has the motivation or this guy's going through an addiction problem and he's conquered his demons and now he's able to achieve his goals or or whatever it is and adding those elements to it and and editing is a really key thing in movies that live sports don't have you're able to control the pacing and control the narrative and you get this instead of spending weeks watching an entire football tournament or a mixed martial arts tournament or whatever it is you get you know an hour and a half two hours of a whole thing boiled down to essentially the highlights with all this narrative added as well and it's kind of like this i don't know hyper distilled hyper-realistic version of sports. And I remember you saying that, like, adding narrative to sports is such a key thing that can get you interested. The fact that Moneyball is fucking great and I've never watched a game of baseball in my entire life <laughs> says it all. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I I mean, we kind of skipped over my history with sport, but it's, it's unsurprisingly, very limited. Uh, <laughs> like, my family, like, my dad doesn't care about sport whatsoever, and, and especially in Britain, and I think pretty generally most places like interest in sport tends to be thing a thing that is passed down from parent to child especially from father to son and like because my dad doesn't care about sports i never i never got taken to football games and i never like your, your parents don't like films they don't like sports what do your parents like tim what what sitting what's their favorite are they into music are they into no. books they're into quiet uh, contemplation uh, they're on a I, higher level yeah uh gardening reading fair enough that's about fair it enough. um yeah so um 
yeah, I never, I never, I never had kick arounds in the back garden because the garden was where my dad planted plants rather than <laughs> had a big lawn that was suitable for football. That kind of stuff. So I, I was not at all sporty growing up. Didn't even, you know, play on any teams or anything. You know, beyond it was the thing that was going on at pl at playtime. So that's what you did, kind of thing. And yeah. that was about the limit of my engagement. Um, I occasionally watch England football games during international tournaments, uh, which I'll touch on in a moment. Um, mm. And actually, funnily enough, the one sport that my dad does quite enjoy watching is tennis. And tennis is also probably my favourite sport to watch um, oh. because it is so easy to... Every moment is as tense as every other moment, and they are all incredibly tense. <laughs> like, every point mm, a... feels like the people are working their hardest to win it, and then they win that point, and then they go on to the next one, and it's also incredibly, like, hard to win that. Um, but to to go back to the, the, the idea of, like, narrative in sport and how it... Putting that on there, as someone who doesn't engage with, you know, sport a lot on its on its own terms and someone who is spends all my time thinking about story um it does make it a lot easier to engage with because the other thing is that in real life sport often doesn't follow a narrative because because real it's real life and real life doesn't have narratives there as we're recording this england is heading into the final of the uh euro, euro 2020 um, and I watched the semi-final game uh, against Denmark. Denmark. <laughs> That's how much I absorbed. Um, <laughs> but it, it was it was an interesting game, and there was you know some back and forth and stuff. And to, certainly towards certain parts of it, it seemed like England were really dominating. But then the actual goals that they got were kind of disappointing because, and there was a lot of discussion afterwards of like, oh, you know, they got one of their goals from a penalty, and should it really have been a penalty? And in a in a film, you would never have that because it's not narratively satisfying to be like, well, they were clearly should have won the game, but also the goal that they got was kind of shitty. So, like, if you're if you were making a film of that moment, it would be like, oh, okay, they're really, you know maybe they're not dominating to start with, maybe they're really on the back foot to start with. And then they start, then they get their inspirational speech and then they start to pull together. Or one of the person, you know, someone gets injured and the rest of the team pulls together and then they get a real cracker of the goal. And, you know, that's, that's what clinches it for them. Uh, whereas this was just kind of like, yeah, you know, it was great that they won, but also like it, it's a cl slightly clouded victory because you're like, Oh yeah, but you know they should have. And the other one was an own goal, and it was kind of you know it was clearly going in anyway. But it it muddies it with the with the chaotic nature of reality, whereas sports films are a lot cleaner and simpler because they are just, hey, the person is either going to win a moral victory if not an actual victory, <laughs> you know, and and you know who you're rooting for. The bad guys do something to deserve your ire rather than just being the tribal nature of sports where you're like, mm -hmm. well, I like my team because they're my team and your team is bad because they're not my team. Whereas in sports movies, it tends to be like, well, our team is pure and good-hearted and your team is much richer or doing drugs or they've come along and beaten up our coach the night before or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, or they don't really matter and they're more just a symbol of kind of adversity and, and they're sort of ciphers. So I mm. think narrative is 
is hugely important when it comes to sports movies and it's it's a way that even people such as ourselves who don't particularly care about sport can find a way into these into these situations coming off the back of that i have another little statistic for you because in my mind when someone says what's you know how would you categorize sports films i just halve them right down the fucking middle Films about sports specifically, where sport is the main thing and it's about someone competing in the sport, is, I should clarify. Those kind of films I halved down the middle between is this about a team or is this about a one person, basically? Mm-hmm. Um, and those two things tend to be, you know, you can have elements of both, but there tends to be like, even if, even if it's like, a, oh, it's, a, it's about a baseball team, but really it's about this one player on the team. That's the important really, thing. Really, it's about that, Robert Redford and his yeah, fucking magic his, bat. And I find this fascinating because coming off back what we said about who these films are for, and as Tim said, the narrative structure of these things, sports films are not popular at all. <laughs> Statistic. This is here's a, here's a really weird thing. If you go to Wikipedia, I know it's not a be all end all sort of source of information, but if you go there, the top uh, box office sports film is The Hunger Games, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> for fuck's sake! Because it considers it a battle round, uh, like. Right. Well, the I should have changed my pick to most Royale, dangerous then. game, <laughs> man. Yeah, exactly. Predator's my favorite fucking sports film. Oh, actually, Predator should count. Um, <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah. So th- there is an interesting statistic that um, uh, I was looking for a point of when these things were popular. Basically, you know, have these always been popular? So I, I remember an influx of them, very much so in my in my late teens, early twenties. Because I grew up on like you know, there was things like The Sandlot and other bits and pieces. Britain doesn't really make a lot of sports films outside of like Victory and and other stuff. There's not a lot we put through, and it's usually things like. Ah, you remember the glory days when we did the four-minute mile and chariots <laughs> of fire or some shit? Yeah, great. But it's not as it's not as uh, as constant, shall we say? America does it a lot, just periodically. But there was a huge, huge uptake in the mid two thousands, and I think a lot of that, unsurprisingly, comes from nine eleven, um, as most <laughs> things unfortunately tend to at that time. Because people were down and dour for obvious reasons, and there was a war going on, and everything was grim as fuck. People remember it differently, but that's how it was. Um, and the cinema was an escape, and it could show you America winning. Um, and in 2006 specifically, 10% of the US box office of all films of the domestic gross uh, were sports movies. Wow. And there was a, just this huge rise in sports films because um, it went in production around that sort of time. And um, I think Miracle was one that came around about the time of, um, uh, of 9-11, that kind of thing. And people were like, I don't want to see something serious. I want to see something fun, something light. And it became this, even an action film, maybe, yeah, to escape my mind. But, it, you know, it, there was too much. Everything was a little too close. And, and it, people just sports movies give you action without violence a lot of the time is the that's other true. thing. Yes. So if you're, if studios are a little gun shy so to speak about showing mass destruction as they were you know after mm. 9-11 there was big conversations about like oh you know should um, we show this in film yeah yeah uh having instead just a bunch of a bunch of meaty lads smash into each other <laughs> uh but not actually hurt each other or only hurt each other incidentally yes exactly and it's it's classically not only that it's the these people who are who are hurting themselves or getting hurt because of the situation they find themselves in have the ability to express that emotionally and break down. And you go, that's all right, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that kind of emotion because mm. I'm the kind of emotionally stunted person that I'm okay with crying at a football movie. It's like, 
Right. Um, and that's, that's, that's true of most men in this country, especially will say like, yeah, no, I don't cry at films. It's stupid. Did you cry at Rocky? Oh, fucking I wet my man. It's fucking <laughs> terrible. That, that man, that man, I felt his pain. It's beautiful. It's like, yes, yes. Yeah. There's, de there's definitely a big conversation to be had about like masculinity and yeah, yeah. sports because it goes without saying that almost all of the sports films that get made are about men's sports or about men playing sports. Yep. And there are far fewer that focus on women's sports or women competing in in sport you know and if and if they do they will actively talk about men's sports in an almost bechdel test kind of way uh bend it like beckham for example all the marketing was about you can't play football you're a girl yeah and that's also yes that's how people in england talk about this sort of stuff it's like the England football team for women is very, very successful. <laughs> you should be aspiring yeah, the, to that. The classic, like, oh, we haven't been this far in a tournament since 1966. We've never got to the finals of a Euro ever and all this kind of bullshit. It was like, unless you count the women's team who did it like five years ago. And yeah. then the, the other the other time they did it like 10 years ago. Yeah. And the other time they did it like 20 <laughs> years ago. You're just, you're just ignoring all of that stuff because you just yeah. don't watch women's football because... Yeah, it's a blokes game, isn't it? We're, we're, <laughs> yeah, and I think that's very much a thing that people can understand. It, it, that's what comes back to the whole team versus solo protagonist kind of thing. It's like, oh, like, oh, I have friends, or I don't have any friends. <laughs> I can enjoy this <laughs> film, and you're like, oh, okay. Um, it, 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 you're right. It's very much geared to, marketed for, and uh, uh, representative of men, and that's very much. When we say, uh, that's why unfortunately and also sports in general is very much geared to men in general and I'm, I'm, that's not like a fucking revelation anyone would be surprised by um <laughs> but um no i i think as i say that that divide only really segments them in a certain way all it means is you get one really 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 developed character who is either you know an actual based on a real person or isn't uh in the case of an actual biopic or just this is the central lead character in this fighting movie or whatever it is um, or alternative, it's a team where you get, um, shall we say, character types, mm. and uh, you always get a very specific type of um, people. And again, it's, again, unfortunately, the most the, the most examples are American sports. That's what we get in film most often. Mm. So when you see things parodied, um, it's parodies of American teams. Um, and even even when you do have films that are purport to be about a team rather than mm. individual. Mm. What that often means is that it's about the coach. <laughs> That's uh, true. So yeah. your, oh, yeah, your Mighty yeah. Ducks, your uh, you know your Hoosiers, all those kind of things, mm. they are m as much about the coach as they are about the actual team. Yeah. Um, because again, oh. it's it's an easy avenue into it, and it's someone mm. if you're looking for the team experience rather than the individual experience, like the coach is someone who has to consider the the team dynamics rather than just an individual person on the team is just trying to do their best and, you know, mm -hmm. obviously best for the team and stuff like that. But the, the coach has presumably got a higher level view of what's going on. And so yeah. is kind of steering the team as a unit rather than just a bunch of individuals trying to do their best. Well, to take Tim's example from the opener um, for the introduction for this episode, um, Friday Night Lights. Yes, it's about the team, but really everyone kind of remembers Carl Chandler is the coach. That's mm. that's what that's what stands out. Mm. Yeah. Um, th that actually brings us to a really good point. Actually, the the idea of the split between the kind of sports films you'll see, because if it's not about the team or the uh, individual 
protagonist, both which following a very similar path of we're crap uh, or we're the best and we fall to the bottom and then we have to work it back up again and become the underdog. We're, we were the greatest, now we're the underdog game. We have to change everything we know. Oh, our dynamics overplay. So here's our adversary. Yada, 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 yada. And it's not just what's on the pitch. It's also what's in your head and what's going on in my personal life, etc. The other split is which one do you focus on in your sports movie? Because it might be about sports, but it might not be about sports. So you have ones about the players. Speaking of female example, Whip It. No, particularly like Whip It. It's fine. I think it's okay. But, I really, uh, I really like Whip It. Yeah, I think. it's about Roller Derby uh, with mm-hmm. Elliot Page, um, and uh, that one feels like an actual team dynamic where you do feel about the team. Mm. Um, it's a Drew Barrymore directed film, um, and she's in it as well. Now, the, the film, the, t- the team feels fleshed out. Uh, again, some people say Roller Derby is not a sport. Yes, it is, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's. Um, in this case as well, it's, it's, it's another one example of a, a, a really good example of, oh, a sports movie about women competing in a sport that doesn't talk about men playing sport very much. Mm. Thumbs up. Um, so that's a good one about, about players, for example. There are plenty of examples about players we've already given. Films about people involved in the sport directly, but aren't on the pitch or in the ring or whatever it is. As you say, the managers, the the coaches, the people who are connected but not, as it were. The 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 sort of all the background insight behind peek behind the curtain. As we said earlier, Moneyball is a fantastic example of that. I I always think Moneyball is is one of those great get into sport movies without liking sports. Tim mentioned before how it's one he puts on sort of cathartic to get into the sort of writing mode and getting very comfortable, as it were. Um, because there's something about how it's presented mm. as a movie. It's, it's almost more a movie about management than it is about sports. Yeah, it's a, like, it's a fucking it's championship it's, management. It's a fucking yeah, sim. It's okay. it's about it's about trying to change a mindset in a mm. you know a thing. It could be it could be about bringing a radical you know new policy you know yeah, the farming industry for fuck's sake yeah yeah it could be about it could be about insurance or something yeah and you'd yeah, be like entirely. no we're gonna we're gonna apply these premiums differently it's but mm. it's you know it's a it's a sports movie where i think you watch sport being played for maybe about 15 minutes in total <laughs> yeah and that's that's the thing and you don't need to know anything about sp- and ba- i've seen baseball games baseball is fucking long and fucking boring but man with stick hit ball it goes out of the park i know what that means mm. i can understand baseball i think was it was it patrick h williams who said baseball is the most cinematically friendly sport because it's really easy to yeah, understand basically yeah. It was, yeah. yeah it's also i can't think of many other sports where this is true mm-hmm. necessarily I, I could be completely talking about my out my ass here because obviously you know i don't know anything about sport but it's one <laughs> of the few team sports i can think of where you can get to a point where a team scores a point and it's like that's it the game is over they've won you know for mm. for for the most part say you take if you take like foot, football soccer you your team can score a great goal but unless that's a goal in like injury time and even at, at, at the literal last second they've still got to do a bit more playing penalties yeah penalty penalty shootout is about the only thing like I'm That's most sure, cinematic it gets. Yeah, American football, like you, yeah, it's whoever's ahead at the last minute. Basketball, the same, you know. The but baseball has that thing of like, well, if you're if you've passed the ninth inning, it's literally like you can score and and then the game can be over and you're like, great, we're done. Yeah, entirely. Which is which is a very cinematic moment. Yeah, 
and speaking of cinematic moments, the thing is, we, I mentioned this before, I think I mentioned definitely again, quoting stuff leaves it in your head. And there are so many, in inverted commas, film quotes that people don't realize are from films. Again, 90s classic, show me the money. It's like, oh yeah, Jerry Maguire. It's like, Jerry Maguire's a sports movie. It's like, yeah. no, uh, no, it's a romance. He's, he's with him and um, Brandy Zellweger. No, it's Cuba Gooding Jr. being a yeah. football person. It's the only person he's left on his roster. He gets for a new. He releases a memo. It's a whole thing. And like, yeah. oh, oh yeah, of course it is. And it, yeah. you, you know, it gets hit really hard, and then they think he's paralyzed, and then he does a backflip, and it's great. That's yeah. That's it's like the film Concussion with Will Smith. Yeah, where he's being the doctor is talking about how it's you know there's a disease that specifically affects people who are playing basketball, um, uh, American football, and um, they don't backflip up. Um, yeah. And uh, then you get like The Damned United, which is a British version, because again, the British don't make sports movies very often, but Peter Morgan, who um, wrote like The Queen and stuff like that, and Frost Nixon with uh, Michael Sheen starring in it. And it's pretty good. It's, it's not bad. It's, it's about a very tumultuous time and a very um, iconic English uh, coach. And as you mentioned, you mentioned Hoosies earlier, um, Mike Bassett, England manager, is one that sort of came and went immediately in the fucking 90s. Or was it early 2000s? To me, 2000, that, I'm not That'd sure. be early 2000s, yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Million Dollar Arm as well, about, you know, uh, I'm going to go... <laughs> all these people who win baseball, they're so difficult. I don't want to do it. I'm going to travel to India and find someone who's good at cricket, basically, and make them baseball stars. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's not about baseball or cricket. It's about John Hamm falling in love with his neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> thank there's you, the, Disney. Um, there's the one with the... Um... Amy Adams and Clint Eastwood, where they're both like baseball scouts. Um, oh, shit. Something to do with the curve, the trouble with the curve or something. Yeah. Something. That's a lineup I wasn't expecting yeah. you to say out loud. Yeah. Yeah, trouble with the curve. That's right, yeah. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fine. Justin Timberlake's also John Goodman. Because sports films bring in huge names for some reason, mm. even though they don't bring in any real ratings, any real box office. It's just like, oh, there they are. Um, I think it, it's because... You know, and and we talked about kind of the 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 two thousands there, and there was a spate of you had Samuel L. Jackson in Coach Carter, you had um, yeah. uh, Denzel Washington in Remember the Titans. Like, Great it's film. an opportunity for a very good actor to give a very big speech uh, that's incredibly <laughs> yes. on the nose <laughs> yes. that people will remember. You know, uh, and if we don't have old sixties war films of someone saying, "Listen here, boys, yeah. I've done everything I can for you. We're going over that hill together." That yeah. you can do it in a in a fucking locker room, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's. I think that they they are often probably since since Rocky like hit it big. Mm -hmm. They are the kind of things where actors or writers or directors look at it and go, "This is incredibly easy to package as an awards film, even if it, they don't necessarily win." You can because of the performance yeah. because of the performance you can take, and we know how awards work in America, especially where they're like the fucking Academy doesn't watch all the films that they are meant to. They might watch some of the films that they're meant to, or they might watch bits of all of the films. So if you've got a little clip where it's just a actor who has been nominated or won, pre and they're giving a really good speech, and the music swells underneath them. And you can you can just send that clip to all your voters and go like, here's why this person yeah. should win like best actor or this film should win yeah you know best best writing because like the speech is really good. The the industry term which people may or may not be familiar with is for your consideration. Yes, and it will say on screen for your consideration. Yeah. 
um, and there's huge press junket stuff. Tim is entirely right. It's like, because I mean, even when you're a fan, you don't always have time to watch everything. And these people who are making movies at the same time, uh, some of them at least. So you're like, I don't have time for that shit. So I'll just show you the best bit, basically. I'll show you the goals. Wow, they were great. It's like, yeah, yeah they also literally punched the other team in the face <laughs> and spat on the fans. <laughs> yeah, but look at that fucking goal. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, um, it's, you know, it's like how sports films almost tend to be like the highlights reel after watching a game where it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah we're going to cut out all the stuff that isn't interesting. And to go back to narrative, like so much of sports writing and reporting is taking the facts that happen and then applying a narrative afterwards. Like you, because, because sports is random and weird things can happen and the people who mm. you expect to win can, can completely fuck up, you know, on certain occasions or whatever you then have to take the facts and go like, ah, well, yeah, it was a surprise, but also you could see it coming because if you look at this and this and this, and yeah, so sports films give you an opportunity to to kind of play up that fact and go like, ah, yeah, well, you can see that they were, you know, even when they were bad, you could tell that they were going to be really great in the end because they had that that spirit about them. And it convinces us that we mm. can we can look at our own team or we can look at our own, you know, person that we're supporting and go like, yeah, but because I because I really love them, then it'll work out for them. You know, like it does in the movies. Which is the nature of sports, which is in so I hate to do this. The tribalism of sport has infected politics of late. It's become the idea of but if I just believe and support hard enough, if I just really dig in, they'll they'll be on top again. It's like that's not how that works. Um, and that brings us perfectly to <laughs> the fans. Now, there are very, very few movies about fans that portray them in a good light. There's never, there's this bloke <laughs> and he supports his local insert sport here team and he loves them and he's at every game and they win because he's there cheering them on. Nah, that's not really a film. There might be a Disney version like... There might be someone like that who watches, you know, every game in Airbud, <laughs> or that you can you can do it, you know, in, in fucking, fucking the Water Boy maybe, but fans are dangerous, obsessive, and usually either mentally ill or alternatively have <laughs> issues in general. And in like, their cinematic what? portrayal, well, I know what the teaser is going to be <laughs> no, for this episode. As one of them, I fucking stand by. That. No, no, yes, no. Cinematically speaking, that's true because that's, fans are typically yeah, mentally yeah. ill. Tune into cinema. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. From a, from a narrative point of view, there's more to tell there. People don't want just a story about someone who's happy the whole fucking time, mm. or someone who watches a team fail or succeed and has no control over it. So it becomes about that control and the investment behind it. I've thought I've thought of the one the, the well, the two exceptions to the rule, except they're one exception Ooh. to the rule. Uh, which ahead. is fever pitch. See, I I actually think fever pitch is the prime example. Because <laughs> that man's life falls apart because of fever pitch. Um both both uh, by the way, we're talking about the uh, British version with Colin Firth. Fuck the American version with Jimmy Fallon. Yep. Um yeah. So the fever pitch is uh, okay, so run through a few of them. Fever pitch. Um a guy who supports Arsenal, I think it is, so much that he literally can't sort of form connections with his girlfriend. And it's past, I was like, you know, oh, she doesn't understand. It's like, no, I think you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the American version is much more tame and ridiculous and leans into it in a worse way. It doesn't seem like she's saying something, but, you know, 
He talks about obsessive things too far. Speaking of obsessive, there's a film called The Fan with Robert De Niro mm. in one of his less good roles. Him and um, Denzel Washington. No, uh, Wesley uh, Snipes. Snipes. That's right, yeah. And that's, again, about someone who's just an obsessive fan who's, you know, he's become the point of obsession that he stalks him, etc. There's um, Green Street and the whole range of Football Factory and every other sort of, it's smash day, lads, going to smash some people up. Because... We would talk about, you know, violence in football movies. Um, and West Ham were really looking forward to that being about them. Oh, Green Street. That's the that's literally the road that the, the stadium's on. Who's in it? Charlie Hunnam and Elijah Wood. Oh, some big names. It's directed by this uh, this gem director, Lexi Alexander. Oh, great. Yeah, they didn't like it in the end. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was all about people literally. I mean, I th- I think Green Street is perfectly fine, actually. I don't mind Green Street as a film. I think it's pretty good. Um, but also it's... um. It, it romanticizes it a little too much about the firms and um, the mm. I, firms, by the way, is what they call the people who are so supportive of the clubs that they will happily fight you for it. Um, if you happen to be wearing a certain shirt, it's not because you support that person. It's because you're asking to be punched by these people. And it's like, sounds awful. It's like, yeah, it's awful. Mm. Another one, which is kind of, th- these next two ones are interesting because they're, they also, as Tim mentioned, they sort of walk the line. Silver Linings Playbook. I was going to bring up Silver Linings Playbook, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With Robert it's, De Niro it's... and his juju. Yeah, his, his, exactly. His, his sort of like, I've got my, I got my routine, I've got my things, and you're not going to mess with it. And, my, my, my... and the other one is Looking for Eric. Ah. Uh-huh. That's a grim fucking movie. Um, I like Looking for Eric, but mostly for the last uh, 10 minutes. I don't know if I could recommend to people. It's, it's quite, it's quite, it's a very well-made film by Ken Loach. Ken Loach, if you know who that is, should tell you everything you need to know about the movie. Ken Loach is a miserable bastard, um, but makes fantastic films. <laughs> uh, it's a film about, um, is he a postman? I think he's a postman. Um, yeah, he's a postman who loses his job and his kids don't respect him and gets involved with a gang and he doesn't know what to do. And he loves the shit out of Manchester United footballer Eric Cantona. Um, and... This dude played by uh, Steve Evitz, he's just, he's, he's, he's quite just a small bloke, but he, he's also, his character's also named Eric. And he's got this bond with this very enigmatic, uh, mysterious French fucking powerhouse legend of a 90s footballer. Um, and who would very famously pop his collar. And um, he doesn't know what to do. And his son gets attacked. And he's like, well, you know, I'm, I, don't, I, I don't know what to do. And he talks to Eric Cantona, the actual Eric Cantona, in. Um, an impressive way it's the sort of dream fantasy sequence works and he gets all his mates up to go basically just take down this criminal it's it's it becomes a fun film at the end about rallying to support each other and finding that inspiration inside you to do something good but it comes from england's a bit fucked up isn't it <laughs> so it's like it's quite hard to watch but it is a it is a genuinely nice film in a weird way so there are examples but most of them tend to be shit's miserable but sport gets me out of it sort of mm-hmm. another one i'd uh, that's quite underseen um yeah is a big fan with Patton oswalt oh uh by yeah, robert siegel who who uh wrote the wrestler uh which came out mm-hmm, the year before mm-hmm. um uh which is Patton oswalt was like an obsessive new york giants fan who gets yeah. beaten up by one of the players and it's him kind of like reckoning with his like obsession with the team versus like the reality mm. that he's now facing and it's that's yeah. a very good a very dark film um yeah and that tends to be the thing it's like the i love something but that thing doesn't protect me in real life i wish it did but it doesn't and 
it transfers the underdog story to it's it, it's very interesting but it's strange how it's all about the sport the sport is literally talked about through and through full on intensely but like it's usually done in the same way that something like more rats is done where it's like wow this person is fucking deep <laughs> they are really into this stuff um i don't know if that's necessarily entirely healthy but they seem all right i think no they're not together they haven't got the life together oh they're no then they're changing they're making an effort they're doing something okay okay um, I wouldn't mind if this person succeeded. That'd be nice. That tends to be how it goes. Uh, or, or alternatively, oh no, he's crazy. <laughs> he's a killer. <laughs> Just going to quickly interrupt this half-time moment for a quick pep talk. Thanks to our good old pals. First of all, sun's out, shades are in. Get your home summer ready with custom window treatments from blinds.com. Get a high-end look without the high-end price with the most popular outdoor shades and transform your backyard into the perfect weekend oasis. I mean, I live in England, so... Mm. <laughs> with light filtering shades that help block UV rays without obstructing your view. Plus, right now, Blinds.com is offering up to 35% off everything, making it a breeze to upgrade any room in your home, indoors or out. With over 25 million blinds sold and 35,000 five-star reviews, there's a reason why Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window treatments in the world. Whether you do it yourself or have them handle them install from start to finish, Blinds.com make ordering custom window treatments online easy with free shipping and a 100% guaranteed perfect, perfect fit. I should point out that in my house, I have blinds. I like blinds more than curtains, so I fully support that. Sunshine and barbecues are in the forecast. Again, hopefully, this is England, so it does happen. We get heat waves. Upgrade your backyard and window treatments with Blinds.com today and enjoy your new view all summer long. Go to the link in our show notes to shop up to 35% off site-wide. That's the link in our show notes for up to 35% off site-wide. Rules and restrictions may apply. Sequelizers is also brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your gentle topiary. Manscaped has just launched in the UK and is available already in many other countries, trusted by 2 million men worldwide. Anyone who's shaved themselves will no doubt have horror stories. Nothing is more terrifying than lifting a razor from your crotch and seeing your own blood. Good God. But the... But it happens. But with the third-generation trimmer, and its cutting-edge ceramic blade and impressive LED light, grooming accidents are dramatically reduced. On top of that, the battery life runs at an impressive 90 minutes. That means you can get through the entirety of a film like Primer and find yourself so confused keeping track of the time travel that you haven't managed to shave anything. But that's why it also comes with a stylish charge station. Ah. And then you can be confused about time travel some more. So. Get 20% off and free delivery with the code SEQUEL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the free delivery at manscaped.com and use the code SEQUEL, S-E-Q-U-E-L. Your balls will thank you. How appropriate for a sports episode. Your sports balls will thank you. Am I right, lads? Yeah, yeah. Jack knows. Yeah. So in addition to the whole like fans, players, managers stuff, the other thing is when sports isn't actually the film's main focus. So you have things like, as we said earlier, Invictus. Invictus isn't actually about rugby. It's about Nelson Mandela in South Africa <laughs> and uh, uniting the, you know, this, this, this 
race divide after apartheid, or technically after apartheid. You know, rugby is just the catalyst that allows them to bring everyone together. The rugby is almost inconsequential. Um, another example is Lagan, which I really like. It was almost my pick, um, which is a, it's a fictional story, but it's about... Lagan means tax, by the way. <laughs> and it's an Indian film about colonial rule in India and these, these very arrogant English uh, overseers uh, are playing cricket and they challenge um, a local town to a game of cricket. And if they win, they don't have to pay tax for three years, basically, in the entire region. But if they don't, they have to pay three times as much tax. And it's a really proper, like, like you know, oh, we've set the rules for our own game and uh, we're going to do it our own way and they'll badly well lose. And it'll be great for the crown in England, you know? And then, of course, it's like, no, no, you, we, you gave us this sport. We're going to beat you with it. It's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> and and it's, it's a very good story. I really enjoy that film. It's also a musical. <laughs> um, of course it is. Yeah. Some, some of the biggest ones, like Field of Dreams and The Fighter and Million Dollar Baby and Foxcatcher, they're not about the sports. I mean, yes, there's lots of sports elements in it. Yeah, baseball's huge, but, you know, if you build it, he will come. That kind of stuff. We all know that kind of stuff. But it's not about the sports. It's about a man's connection with his father. It's about a psychotic guy shooting someone who works for him. It's about euthanasia. And you're like, where the fuck did all this come from? Um, so sports can be used as a metaphor because people understand sports. So they can use it as a way to explain to them, you know, ah, well, the problem is his dad never talked to him. Oh my God, you're right. That kind of thing. <laughs> That's like my dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yes, but sports films are or can be. We essentially like, who is it? Who is it for? Who are these things for? Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes they can be used as a good metaphor, basically, and sometimes the metaphor is more important because when pe when we, when I give an example to somebody, if I'm giving a parallel or a metaphor, I will tend to use a film parallel because I I think people generally understand them because people I associate with like films. Some people give sports analogies. This is another way of doing that. Mm. And I think there's also there's a there's a thing which I think Moneyball probably falls into, where because we are becoming more and more aware of the business and everything else that's incidental to sport that is considered part of it, because they're you know because sports journalism is such a huge thing, and you have these twenty four hour news yeah. channels that are just doing sports and stuff like that. You get films like as we mentioned earlier, Concussion, the Will Smith film, yes, where yes. it is about sports injuries you know and that is a a fascinating and tragic part of american football that really needs more said about it um and is fundamentally connected to the sport and yet not really a sports film yeah um yeah and i think i think there's a whole realm of stories there that can be told um and as so many as so many of these things are based on true stories you know, yes. that's that's kind of one thing that we haven't really sort of mentioned is that so much of sports on cinema is either based on a true story or it's a thinly veiled fictionalization of a true story. Yes. Um, and I think it's um, that that helps people connect to it, because, again, it's that thing of, well, it could it could be my team as well. You know, yeah. and and just to transition here. Sports films ha comes with it a lot of politics, I think. The, the idea of what people think of sports. And, and let's take a prime example just in the room, as it were. Jack. Jack is not interested in sports. Therefore, Jack does not care about sports films, other than a film 
like like fighting films for argument's sake maybe um that kind of thing so like, oh i know i know i know this i can appreciate so for example i know it's not we, we've already dismissed it but something like the wrestler for example it's a drama that is primarily it's not about the wrestling but it most definitely is about the wrestling kind of thing <laughs> but to to bring someone in who doesn't like sports if you're watching a movie about moneyball moneyball needs to tell you about how management works it needs to tell you about how the game works it needs to tell you literally how the sport works that isn't always the case some people just dive straight in assuming you know how american football is played that for some reason everyone stops every now and again you're like oh okay is that a, is <laughs> bad thing? Is that good break, thing right that's how american like, tv works <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah you could, like, why have we stopped yeah uh got to pay because the bills, heineken yeah. has sponsored <laughs> this thing yeah, yeah. The, the rugby fan is like wait wait let me get this right so one of you just runs the end and you throw it to him yeah why don't you just run through them? No, that's stupid. It's like you <laughs> because what? they're four hundred like, pounds. Have you seen the size yeah. of linebackers yeah. and stuff? Or like four hundred pounds and have a four and a half foot vertical loop <laughs> and shit like that. Yeah, true. So the other example where you have to explain it, or you are going to get very lost very quickly, is fictional sports. For sports that are basically made up for film, um, or, or or just you know um a, a story in general now they, they can be the entire focus of the film they can be part of the film but they're always interesting um i think uh, oh, and the thing is everyone says oh, i don't think i know any yeah you do you've watched a star war <laughs> if you've seen star <laughs> wars you've seen pod racing and sabak or whatever that fucking card game is and whatever the fucking <laughs> chess game is they're all games that are played in the star <laughs> wars universe um I think another very big obvious one, the most obvious one to me personally, is Quidditch. Yeah. That is yeah. an entirely fake sport. Um, Which has now become a real sport. Precisely. Has That's the strange though, one. They're not flying about it, though, are it's, they? Well, it's well, become as oh, close as they can get yeah, it to, to mm, real. It's basically shit polo, isn't it? Um, but it's that's kind of the cross, point. Isn't it? I'm sorry, Matt. Just because there's no horse riding involved. There's no danger if there's no horses. <laughs> if there's no clubs and no horses, what's the point? No. Um, yeah, it's 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 kind of fascinating because Quidditch. Some people know the rules too. Who say sports like football are too confusing? I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that because that's people. Are, they're passionate about this universe. They're passionate about this thing, um, and. People will wear, in the same way you wear merchandise for, you know, films you like in general. People will wear Quidditch uniforms. You can get in the way that you know. I I can buy a jersey for a, a sports team. You can buy a um, I can't think of any of the teams. I know there's Ireland and Bulgaria, but I'm pretty sure you can buy literally the houses of the the you know. Uh, I believe the the Chudley Cannons. Oh is fuck it out! Yeah. <laughs> We've got the Appleby Arrows, the Ballycastle Bats, the Carefully Catapults, the Chudley Cannons. Well done, Tim. Pro I believe that is Ron's team. Uh, probably from like Chudley in Devonshire. Are they, are they all, is it going to be a D-D-E-E-F-F? <laughs> what? Are you, are you asking what? if it's in alphabetical order? Alliteration. Yes, it's alliterative and an alphabetical order. God because damn it. Of course it is. Harry Potter is basic Potter. bitch writing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's got the number seven in it. It's so clever. Numerology has been a thing for hundreds of years. J.K. Rowling <laughs> didn't invent numerology in fucking novels, you morons. <laughs> the Falmouth Falcons, the Holyhead Harpies, the Kenmare Kestrels, the Montrose Magpies, 
The Pride of Portree. <laughs> not really a thing. Puddlemere United. Again, throwing everything oh, off. That's not alliteration. That's the Tuts Hill Tornadoes, the Wigtown Wanderers, and the Wimborne Wasps. They're the 13 Quidditch League teams of Britain and Ireland, apparently. Oh, fair enough. But that's the point. If you make it up, it's like, well, that just sounds stupid. And then I name you football teams. You're like, oh, that's equally fucking dumb. Yeah. It's Tottenham a swell- Hotspur. I mean- <laughs> what? <laughs> if you present it as an absurdity, is it any more or less absurd, basically? Um, a, a prime example of that, one I, I kind of have a soft spot for, I kind of like this movie, is Basketball. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I enjoy that movie. Um, I have not watched it in an age. But no, when it's, I, it's when aged I was of a badly certain, and it's not good. Yeah. But I, 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 yeah, as you say, like I'd say I, I, of a certain age, you're like, oh, this is fun. Because um, it's like all these people who play sports, um, there needs to be a league for misfits. The Island of Misfits toys kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that is very much it. It's just like, can I play this while I'm drunk? Yeah. And a whole league comes out. And again, also, it's a commentary about the nature of sports in America franchising and getting out of control and going huge and so on and so forth. Um, another two that jumps to mind is um, Real Steel and Rollerball and maybe even Running Man because <clears throat> they're about violence. Or maybe, apparently, as we've established earlier, the fucking Hunger Games and Battle Royale. <laughs> Why not? Um, because that kind of deathmatch tournament violence. Oh, it's it's boxing, right? I understand boxing, but with fucking robots. Yes. Real, real Steel real is steel. great. Real yeah. Steel is great. It shouldn't be, but it is. Uh, where else can you see Hugh Jackman as a robot fight a bull in the <laughs> opening sequence? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I think probably... A, if, if if he comes back for some MCU stuff, maybe a yeah. <laughs> a, a multiverse of madness moment. Um, so yeah, fictional sports they are they are really tricky because some people get into them just as much, and as Tim said, they can transition to again. It's it's so it's so easy to say nah, it's bullshit. But that's how all sports start. What are you doing? I'm outside kicking this ball around. That'd be stupid. It's like when you come up for a name with a name for something. Like, well, that's yeah. a stupid name. It's like, well, so is Jack. Well, like, what the <laughs> fuck does Jack mean? Yes. It comes from John. Like, how the fuck did Jack come? Where did you get Jack from it's an John abbreviation. from? It makes no sense. But somehow. But oh yeah, the Chudley Cannons is so much more <laughs> wacky than Jack and his mates. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> names don't mean anything. But yeah, when I think. A lot of that stuff, when you have that alliterative stuff and it sounds a bit more silly, yeah. is, is is kind of where a lot of difference is there. And, mm. and even stuff like, like take Tron, for example, full of fictional sports that are like weird video game things, but they're kind of yes, people actually playing yes. them with all the, the discus stuff and the balls mm-hmm. and all that kind of bullshit. It's like... It is the is light cycling a sport? I guess it is <laughs> in, in the Tron world because we learn that the Tron people sometimes have sentience. So, is that a video game? Is that a sport now? I don't know. Maybe it's both. Tour de France, future of esports. Yes. The other kind of end of the the spectrum from fictional sports. Uh, I mentioned, you know, a lot of this stuff is is based on real life or it's, you know, fictionalized versions. There's also a huge number of sports documentaries out there that we haven't even mm. touched on. Oh, um, yeah. Several of which very, very, didn't very even good. occur to me. Um, yeah. Senna's but obviously great, we're, yeah. we're kind of focusing more on the, the, the fictional, yes. 
fictionalized narrative side of stuff. We'll, we'll come but back again, to that when we do a documentary episode in the season. Yeah. I think. But again, a lot of that is taking real life and then trying to find a narrative. Yes. You know, that that's yeah. what a lot of documentaries, especially sports documentaries, do is kind of saying like, ah, yes, you could tell all along that this person was going to be great at the sport. It's like, could yeah. you? Or do you <laughs> is that just a good, yeah. you know, Did you manufacture you to, the situation to, to make it work? Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, 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 the difference between a biopic and a documentary tends to be you had uh, some of the scenes you can film and some of the scenes you've had to sort of put like text over the top and somebody does a talking head <laughs> saying, there were so many fights, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> they're both as fictionalized as each other, some, but they're both as compelling. Um, I always, I, I remember watching The Last Dance, the the, the basketball one on Netflix, a multi-series, mini-series. Um, oh, the Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah, it was really good. I, I think it's fantastic, but... There are moments like, oh God, Jordan's doing amazing. He's like, this whole thing. And then you say the final score and it's like 83, 72. And like, oh, oh, that feels like a lot. That score doesn't <laughs> seem to be reflective of what I just watched. It's like, yeah, because we were showing you snippets. Well, as is often the case with these interseason episodes, we've got some picks of our own to discuss. Some interesting, some of our favorites, some unique choices. And... uh yeah, I've got a little Ron Tomatoes game, which we'll get to in a moment. Once we've, once we've revealed our choices and stuff. Mm. Um, how do we want to do this? Should we reveal our choices one by one? Yeah, should we say it's a bit go the audience and go, and... ooh, and then we'll talk about the Rotten Tomatoes and then say why we picked them. Exactly, exactly. Let's do that. So, uh, Matthew, why don't we come over to you? Let, 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 let's start with you and your choice to, to highlight a particular sports movie. So I had lots of choices. Uh, I was only allowed one because, you know, me, I like to have multiple choices, but I'm only allowed one. Because you um, have to be have to be restrained. reined in, and it's fine. Um, and as I've mentioned on the show before, it's like, what's a film series that you love everything in, even though it's really bad or good? Like, Rocky. I love all the Rocky movies and Creed movies. They're fucking fantastic. They're great. The perfect sports films. Uh, Oscar winning brilliance. But that's not what I chose. <laughs> what I chose was Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't already know that you love this film, I would never in a million years guess. No that one would. Talladega Nights. Oh, Matt, you could do Lagan, for example, makes sense to me. It's like, what's it about? Oh, it's the thing about yeah. the British Imperial rule in India. And it's, a, it's a Bollywood musical from 2000. Great. That's a Matt pick. That's the most Matt pick. Yeah. Yeah. If I didn't already know, and I can't remember why I know you love Talladega Nights, it's come up in it. conversation somewhere before. But. What? Why, Matt? What? We'll what? come back to that. Yeah. Okay. So I'll go into more <laughs> detail later uh, once we've done the, the Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. But I have a lot of affection for this movie because Adam McKay is a great director, in my opinion. And um, this came out right after uh, Anchorman. Mm. And I got very angry because I enjoy Anchorman. I think Anchorman, Anchorman's fine. Ricky Bobby or Tyler Day Nights is a better movie. It's a better all round. And there's well, so much it's saying. Will, will the tomatometer reflect that, Matthew? Probably we'll not. <laughs> we'll find out. Tim, would you like to go next? What's your pick before we, get, uh, before we deep dive? So my pick uh, is, uh, we mentioned earlier that we've mostly dealt with, with men's sports. Uh, uh, and my pick is something that actively engages with that. Uh, my pick is A League of Their Own, the fantastic baseball film, historical baseball film 
at this point, uh, there's going to be a divide between people who have no idea what you're talking about or confusing it with another film and everyone going, there's no crying in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> I know I know there are certainly a few fans of League of Their Own um, mm-hmm. on the Discord. So I know mm-hmm. quite a few of our listeners are very excited to hear you talk about that film too. It's so, I, I rewatched it uh, the other day and it's still fantastic. Uh, it should be noted, I'm not talking about the British game show. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Noise. Yes, this is the 1992 feature film, not the British game show. Exactly. Just to clarify. <laughs> um, and last of all, the most modern of the picks from 2011. My choice is starring Tom Hardy, no less. Warrior. I like that the film a lot. Cage fighting, kind of MMA mm. drama, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, action drama, sports drama type thing, and. Before we get into the deep dives, like I said, got a couple of little games for you. Which of the three do you think is currently, at the time of recording, because I know that is important. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm looking at my, my stat sheet right now. What is currently the highest rated on the Tomatometer between 1992's A League of Their Own, 2006's Talladega Nights, or 2011's Warrior? Warrior, hands down. Interesting, really. Mm-hmm. Straight in with mm-hmm. Warrior. I, I think it's definitely not Talladega Nights. You fuck! <laughs> uh, I could... <clears throat> I mean, I, I think Talladega's were like 50 or some shit, so I'm I know gone. I know Warrior was very well received at the time. Uh, I have no idea what the reception was like for a league of their own, but I think it would be pretty positive. I think, it's, I think Warrior is just going to sneak it because it's a little bit more serious. Yeah. Um... And I think some people would have watched A League of Their Own and been like, oh, it's just it's just popcorn fare. It's, it's got Madonna of... and Rosie O'Donnell. It's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would say if it were going, going numbers, I would say um, like mid 80s for Warrior, mm. mid 70s for, um, for League of Their Own and mid 50s for Talladega Nights probably. Um. As a stab. Yeah, I'd 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 agree with that. I'd probably say lower seventies, a high seventies for a league of their own. Um, but uh, but yeah, it is a bit of a mixed bag. But it's way closer than you might think. Oh. There there is nothing in the fifties, but but between the two of you, you did mostly get it right. Okay. Um, Warrior is the highest, eighty three percent. Oh, on okay. the tomatometer. Followed fairly closely by a league of their own at seventy nine percent, so it is actually pretty close. Mm-hmm. And then, not too distantly further down the old tomatometer, mm-hmm. is Talladega Nights at seventy one. So that's not bad. Actually, not that much of a spread. Mm-hmm. And now to follow up that, since you brought it up, Pat, yes, yes, I was going to ask, what's higher, Anchorman or Talladega oh, Nights? You know, Talladega Nights is seventy one percent. Okay, okay. Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy as you said, came out two years before, in 2004. What do you think is higher on the tomatometer? In terms of fans talking about it all the time... I'm not talking audience uh, score here to clarify. This is tomatometer. We can can talk fan and audience score as well, because it's interesting, as it often is. Well, as I say, I know people quote it and keep it in the public consciousness, but like like another sports film as Dodgeball, for example, that one Mm. blew up. But I think critics would have appreciated Talladega Nights a little bit more, maybe? Mm. Maybe this on par? I don't know. I'm, I'll, I'll say Talladega Nights because why not represent? 
I think Talladega Nights was seen as more satirical because I think it was seen mm. as a satire of kind of Bush America. Uh, yeah. Whereas Anchorman is just straight up like, let's just fire as many jokes as we can. Sure. Um, but I think Anchorman would just edge it. It is in fact Talladega Nights. Yeah, boy. Five percent. Anchorman is currently sat at 66, and Ooh. as I mentioned earlier, Talladega Nights at 71. However, audience scores, Talladega Nights at 73, Anchorman at 86. Yeah, that's so, kind of unsurprising. People have yeah, fondness yeah. for that one. And I don't uh, mind that film, it's just, I don't think it's as good as everyone purports. Yeah, there, there's a slightly different uh, story to be told in the audience score across the three films. We'll be talking about as well, they're in the same order, mm-hmm. but the gap is even larger. So oh, we go from okay. 73, as I mentioned, for Talladega Nights, up to 84 for the audience score for A League sure. of Their Own, and all the way up, for some reason, to 92 Holy mm. crap. The Viking. Warrior, which is fucking high. <laughs> I, I, I get that for Warrior. I really do get that. Warrior, I, I would I'm surprised to make a bigger splash. It's, it's a film that I don't think was hugely widely seen, but I'd imagine the people who saw it were like, fuck, yeah, I love this film. That's very much the case. Mm. Yeah. And then, I guess my last question is: We talked about the Smartometer, as we as we often do on this show. Something we occasionally touch on is box office. Oh shit! Now, bear in mind this is, as far as I know, Box Office Mojo does not adjust for inflation by default. Sure. Mm-hmm. So these are raw numbers from Box Office Mojo. Which of these three films do you think made the most money at the box office? Talladega Nights. Yeah, gotta be Talladega Nights. Guessing Talladega Nights. Interesting. So we have. Well, well, it's actually quite close again. Yeah. Enough, and probably adjusted yeah. for inflation, you uh, might see a different story. But the least successful, unsurprisingly, is Warrior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It made fuck all money. It didn't <laughs> even make its budget back. No. On a budget of 25, in its cinematic run, it made 23 million. <laughs> Oof. See, I saw that film in the cinema. I reviewed it, and I was me- like, "Everyone should go watch this film. It's great." Me too. I saw it in the cinema <laughs> as well. It it came out around my birthday. It was September of 2011, so sure. around my 21st birthday. I was like, "An MMA film that they're taking seriously." Because I'll get onto that in a moment. Yeah, yeah. And and I was like, "Oh my god, for my birthday, perfect." Um, next up, you are correct. Just though it is closer than I thought it was going to be. My prediction would be Talladega Nights as well. Before I saw the stats, a league of their own budget of forty million comes in at just un just over sorry one hundred and thirty two million for the box office. So respectable, reasonable, yeah, 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 respectable. Yeah, certainly made its budget back. As I said, sports films don't make money. (laughs) Yep, with the highest budget by quite a way, Talladega Nights just over seventy two million for the for the budget. Sure. And brings in a box office of 163 million. I so, guess adjusting again, for inflation, that would be a league of their own win. I would, I would assume so. Yeah, mm. with the what 14 year. Yeah, mm. definitely. So yeah, this I think tells an interesting story, but a reasonably predictable one. I think the audience score is is pretty much what you'd expect. Although I was surprised at how high Warrior is, especially considering how low its box office was. <laughs> but. It was it was pretty badly marketed, and just just a just a weird 
turn events around yeah. his production and stuff like that. It was, so. it was before Tom Hardy was really a name as well. Yes. Mm. It was, you know. And Joel Edgerton was pitched And before Joel Edgerton was... Oh, no, wait, he's never been a name. Poor Joel Edgerton. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it, 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 also, a, a sports comedy is easier to sell than a sports drama. Um, mm. I mean, some, some sports dramas you can definitely sell, but to the general public to get more of them in, some off the back of it, lampooning stuff and having really familiar comedic faces like Tom Hanks and Will Ferrell is like, oh, that looks great. I know nothing about baseball or fucking, you know, NASCAR, but I'll fucking watch that. That's great. Should we dive into Warrior then? Let's get in. Do it. Yeah, let's do it. Make, make sense. We'll start there. Like you said, Tim, I think it's interesting because it is the one that takes itself the most seriously. This film takes itself pretty fucking seriously. Uh, I don't know and- if you heard, Jack. There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, but there's also no laughter, so it's very, very serious. <laughs> Especially no laughter in baseball. <laughs> there may um, be no crying in baseball, but there's no laughing in MMA. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so yeah, I, as I mentioned at the top of the show, MMA is my sport. That is the one I will watch the most by far of any of any sport. And whether it's UFC that you know most people are kind of aware of as the thing that kind of defines cage fighting and MMA, all the way over to like smaller local promotions here in the UK to stuff off in weird shit off in Russia and Japan that they don't give a shit about weight classes and all this mad stuff, mm. even through to like you know the things that kind of congealed to form martial art mixed martial arts as we know it like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu tournaments and grappling tournaments and. Uh, and all this kind of stuff. And one of my picks, I nearly, nearly picked it, was Red Belt, the Chiwetel Ejiofor film. Oh, from yeah. Mm. Absolutely love that film. But not really featuring much actual Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And it's the only Brazilian jiu-jitsu film I could think of. And I was like, yeah, but it, it barely has any actual like competition, is it? It tries to do like a Karate Kid thing. And, and, and again... Is Karate Kid a sports film? And we're not getting into that conversation, but is Karate Kid a sports <laughs> film? Or is it a martial arts film? It's an interesting question. It has a sporting competition in it. Who knows? But Warrior is very clearly an MMA movie. It is about these two brothers, as we mentioned, played by Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton, and their kind of parallel paths through life as they bob and weave and intervene in each other's lives and all this kind of stuff and dealing with a particularly fantastic performance from from nick nolte as well as their like Mm. abusive alcoholic father as well yeah and seeing how the two characters tommy and brendan go through their journeys and their path through to that it's really i have some problems with it because i'm such a like a, a diehard mma fan gets a lot of stuff wrong which really really bugs me i'm one of those guys that if i know about a thing and they get it wrong it really annoys me especially if they're trying for kind of you know trying to be accurate and all this kind of stuff but warrior very much goes more towards kind of what we touched on earlier the more cinematic side of things it it's it's what rocky is to boxing because boxing matches don't actually look like what they look like in the rocky movies (laughs) until you get to creed and the modern stuff where they actually really legit did box each other (laughs) and michael b jordan got in ridiculous shape and all this kind of stuff but the way the way it's shot and 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 the the things they do in those 
in those fights are a bit like, mm, yeah, but like, like, like his arm uh, right towards the end of the film. Again, we're going to spoil these films. Get ready for spoilers, folks. <laughs> Welcome to sequelizers. Tommy's shoulder gets ripped out of its socket by yeah. a, a shoulder lock called an omoplata, which is a, a lock with your legs, and you, you push their arm back and over, basically like up and behind their, their shoulder, and it, it pops it forward. Mm. The doctor would stop the fight at that moment. The referee would stop the fight, and there wouldn't be any of this like, no, 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 I can continue kind of cinematic yeah, you don't get that bullshit. Kind of, yeah. that, that doesn't happen. I've seen people break legs and break arms in MMA fights. I saw one in person in Nottingham once, and they stop it, and the referee usually freaks out. <laughs> They're not like, yeah. hey, buddy, can you continue? Can you fight through it, man? Can you do it? It's like, oh, my God, ah, stop the fight. Shit, yeah. shit. Somebody insurance! <laughs> yeah, somebody call the doctor, somebody get the insurance. Oh, my God, what the fuck is going on kind of thing. There's almost like this panic moment because, oh, I don't know, somebody's like, you know, uh, forearm snapped in half from an arm bar <laughs> or something like that. It's horrible to watch. And what I actually like about Warrior is obviously the two central performances are so key to that. And, and I include Nick Nolte as a kind of the central trio of performances there as mm. well. And the, the story of Tommy and Brendan doesn't quite end as it as as you feel like it should do in a very cliched way, there's not kind of like, oh, it's Tommy's big redemption story and he comes back and he wins and all this kind of stuff. It's actually Brendan who wins, but they have that emotional moment in that final fight in the cage and they have that real bonding experience. And it's, it's almost less about the sport for me because, like I said, a lot of it's fucking wrong. And also stars Kurt Angle, who is a professional wrestler for <laughs> yeah. some fucking reason. And he's basically playing real MMA fighter Fedor Emelianenko, who is this legendary Russian fighter who just murdered everyone for years and years and years, <laughs> uh, and who basically didn't say a word for like a decade and just went completely undefeated in the heavyweight division. Um, anyway, that emotional core and that emotional moment towards the end and seeing the characters go on that journey is why I like Warrior so much. It's almost less so about the MMA, which kind of undoes the whole point of this being my pick for this episode. <laughs> but it it it's the emotion and and using almost like a musical. And I know we we've talked about this before. When the emotions get to such a heightened state, you burst into song, and it's almost like the two brothers don't know how to resolve their issues between each other. They like I said they they've kind of interwoven into each other's lives at this point and. There's no turning back at this point, but they need to deal with this. They need to resolve something between them, and there needs to be this emotional payoff to their journeys. Let's have a fucking fight. <laughs> and it also happens to tie in nicely, and it all comes to this brilliant crescendo of kind of like, Tommy finally submits. And it's interesting that it is a submission. It's not a knockout or anything like that. It mm. is something that is unique to MMA and unique to grappling sports in particular, in that he gets him in one of the chokes and the classic thing would be to like, oh, he goes unconscious or oh, Brendan lands that lucky punch or that lucky kick that knocks him out. But what's special to me about that is that that is Brendan proving he's the superior fighter and he's the one that has putting more dedication into the technical side of things and all that sort of thing. And Tommy has to essentially give him that win. 
he chooses to tap out and submit because for those of you who don't know if you tap three times that's you saying okay i give up i can't escape this choke or this arm lock or this leg lock or whatever it is and i give up the the opponent has beaten me kind of thing and it's the fact that tapping out is a conscious decision of a fighter rather than him just being flash knocked out or whatever oh you know it was a lucky punch on a different day he could have beaten me all this kind of stuff brendan beats him and tommy has to submit and give up and say you know what brendan you beat me you got me on this and it's that moment and the way it is shot the way it is perfectly that 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 culmination is just fucking fantastic and i think the last sort of 10 15 minutes of that film are absolutely spectacular just to counter something you said there jack this is exactly why this pick is fantastic for this um <laughs> because one of us needed to pick a fucking fighting i fight. thought you were about to say just to counter that the, the ending is shit jack <laughs> <laughs> no no because it's, it's, like it, on on somebody's list there's going to be rocky raging bull or something like warrior if not warrior itself because it's not about the sport it's about i mean again as you just said it's about two uh, irish american kids with a really shitty dad in philadelphia and they don't know how to solve their problem yep. other than and it's like i need to, and they, well, they have like, like a, a talk on the beach at one point um and it, you know there's there's this sort of clash between the two of them and then they can't use their words and it's not because you know the classic communication yep. this is how they communicate fighting is how they communicate because it's what they know because what their father fucking failed to raise them and that tapping as you said jack it's the whole I acknowledge that I'm, and not only that, that he's going to go to prison after this because of the whole military side of the story, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. There's yep. a whole underarching thing. He's got, they both have stuff to lose. They're both heroes to different people. It's not like, oh, you're the, like we said before about the whole protagonist antagonist, you're the bad guy. This film is conflicting because you're like, I don't know who to root for. And also neither of these kids are kind of good. They're both fucked up yeah. in their childhood. And it's, if 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 I may, gentlemen, I would like to read you something from my review. Oh, oh please do! I love it. We we can we can delve back into the archives yeah. of the redrighthand.co.uk and and see what you've been up to. I was very smitten with this film. It seems I still oh. have, I, I still really like it. I gave it a five out of five, and I stand by that. It's a fucking great movie. I said, as far as family dramas go, Warriors brutally compelling. I can only hope this movie deservedly finds an audience without being written off as another scrap fest designed for solely for immature men and boys. I'm like, well, that didn't fucking happen. And then said, Warrior is every bit as emotional, powerful, and brilliant as you could expect. And despite the cliche, maybe the best fight movie since Rocky or Raging Bull. Wow. And again, I still stand by that. Because you're really? right. Yeah, the MMA side of it is like, yeah, okay, there's problematic things. The fighter the year before had like got, you know, so many Oscar nods and wins mm. and is a great movie. Yeah, the but fight we, is great. Yeah, really Warrior is better. Um, I think it just connected with me. I liked it, what it was. And um, the way it was presented, it was very grim, very miserable. The fact that there was this connection between the, the, the two brothers and one was like, I'm coming. You were, I think Tom Hardy's eyes, you were a shit father, but you were a great trainer. That's all yes. you're doing. I'm not, yeah. I don't respect you. I'm not looking after you. This is not what this is. It's a job. And Joel Edgerton's like, no, I'm going to go to the gym, train properly, get this done right for my family. I need this. And it's, it's a compelling story about men who can't fucking communicate, which 
is exactly the same as Rocky and Raging Bull. The difference in Rocky is he's really sweet, and Raging Bull, he's an asshole. Um, and yeah. this is the most and on I, the self. Like it's both of them. It's yeah. Yeah, I think I think you touched on something really interesting there. I think a lot of people don't take away from this film, and and it it's the fact that it analyzes kind of the macho side of these combat yeah. sports, and that's the thing I find myself really really struggling with is that the sports I like are full of the worst fans <laughs> and a load of the fighters and and I'm going to get not necessarily political here but a bit controversial a mm. lot of them have like very violent pasts and histories of domestic violence and all this kind of shit yeah. that is really really terrible stuff and I don't want to be supporting these people but I'm like I'm drawn to this sport and I'm drawn to you know you, combat sports and you're the son of, of stuff, a cockney but... man you're you're you're, you're, you're <laughs> like one two or three counties away from being an east end boxer <laughs> that's true it's in that's your true. blood son um i do have an uncle i think he's an uncle that's that's how my family that's, works yeah. on my dad's side who who is a bare knuckle boxer a la snatch basically so yeah <laughs> he he he's the he's the rough diamond of the family yeah as my as uh that's another great example snatch is a fucking sports film damn it <laughs> Yeah, uh, sort of. Yeah, yeah, illegal sports, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> legal sports are still sports. Sure, um, but yeah, the fact that it analyzes the the machismo, the macho yes, men can't yes. communicate with each other kind of side of things, and the abusive relationship between brothers and fathers and all this kind of mm. stuff. This real kind of men not being able to deal with their emotions yeah. and and not being allowed to deal with their emotions because they have to be this strong pillar of he's a fucking veteran and he's a cage fighter and they're the two pinnacles of masculinity and all this kind of stuff, which is something I cannot fucking relate to as a <laughs> overweight podcaster. Like <laughs> I, I'm not some chiseled cage fighting veteran. I don't know if you've ever noticed listeners, but I, I'm so drawn to those kind of characters because like you said, Matt, they're so flawed and they're so interesting. And the way this film kind of deals with their two different sides of the same coin kind of thing yeah. is really, really interesting. And the fact that they mirror each other perfectly and that they are this, you know, fronted machismo kind of thing, but at the same time, they have the capacity for that kind of heart and honour because on one side, you've got this family man who loves his family, would do anything for them. The other side is this military man who loves his platoon, would do anything for them, but also, you know, he gets this huge support from the military. There are so many little, for lack of a better word, toxic motivations I did it for my country. I did it for my men. I did it for my squad. I did it for my wife. I did it for my kid. It's like, you did it for you. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> and um, I, I think a lot of that comes down to that final moment of, I have to now punch my brother in the face repeatedly because I don't know how to get through to him. And he doesn't get through to me. And this will also have to get through to our father. I don't know. And th that ambiguity is fantastic. And again, you don't know who you're rooting for. Yeah, great movie. I fucking love it. It's great. I'm glad you picked it. <laughs> Thanks. Me too. <laughs> I, I don't have a review for A League of Their Own, but I'll still say positive things. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go over to Tim. Let's, let, let's talk some baseball, shall mm. we? And talk, some more talk, sibling talk. rivalry. Yeah. And some more sibling rivalry. There's the connection. There's the segue. Well done, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's talk some A League of Their Own. Yeah. Um, I, I love A League of Their Own. Um, I think it's such... Uh, warm-hearted film yeah. about such an interesting, real thing that happened. Uh, for people who don't know it very well, it is about during World War II, 
when a lot of American men uh, were being drafted into the military, that included a lot of professional baseball players. And there were famously people like Babe Ruth who were like, yeah, I'm going to do, even though they probably could have got exemptions, yeah. were like, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go say, serve in the Navy or, Navy or I'm going to go serve in the Army as, as a patriotic duty. Uh, and the people who owned baseball teams were like, mm, we're running out of players. Like, how are <laughs> we going to keep baseball? How are we going to keep making money out of baseball if there's no baseball players? And so they decided to start the uh, the country's first uh, female league, uh, which I believe was called the uh, the All American Girls Professional Baseball League. Yeah. The the catchy acronym of ABGBL. The A A A A G P B L. It didn't yes. need to be catchy because when the men came back, it was just a pile of shit. <laughs> yeah, you can't just have the NFL or the UFC yeah. or or FIFA or anything like that that actually works. <laughs> it has to be the AAGPBL. <laughs> it has to it has to sound like you're trying to say apple but you're like swallowing your tongue at the same time. Choking on an apple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yeah, and so you it's the story of essentially two sisters who get uh, recruited from like a local softball league in Oregon um, and brought to play on one of these first four teams that gets set up. Uh, and in a lot of ways, the, the, the film is about the conflict between them, where you have Dottie, who is played by Gina Davis, who is incredibly naturally talented. Um, and the, clearly she's the older sister She's like the the kind of the favoured sister in their family. Um, she's already married um, and she is not sure about about taking part in, in baseball from the from the start because her husband's away in the military and she's not sure she wants to kind of leave the, where she lives. Um, and but she has this real talent for it. She's really, really good at it. Um, and quickly becomes like the best player in the league. Mm. But she's constantly feeling this duty to go back home and, you know, kind of be a dutiful wife in a lot of ways. And then you have Kit, played by Laurie Petty, who is the younger sister, who is sick of being in, in her sister's shadow, even at the start of the film, and then only gets to try out for the league because the, the recruiter is like, I want your sister so badly that I'll let you tag along, basically. <laughs> uh, and Dottie is like, well, I'll I'll come if you bring my sister. Um, and uh, But nonetheless makes the cut, joins the same team, but isn't as talented um, as her sister. And then eventually the, this conflict kind of between them boils over and Dottie is thinking of leaving the team. And so they convince they convince her to stay and sort of she says, well, well, trade me away because, you know, my sister's feeling this rivalry. And instead they trade the sister to a different team. And then eventually the film ends up with those are the two teams that are facing each other. Warrior! In, in the World <laughs> Series, yes. But much like the end of Warrior. And then Gina yeah. Davis gets Laurie Petty in a rear naked chokehold and Laurie Petty <laughs> has to tap out. No, Laurie finally um, taps out. Yeah. Uh, no. no, and it actually ends with uh, with Laurie Petty, her team winning, Kit's team, um, and 
there's a sort of a the, the question that hangs over it is like did her sister let her win kind of thing yeah um but there's a lot of other narratives going on at the same time in the film um tom hanks is in it as their manager and coach who is this kind of washed up based on a on a real uh baseball player who's a drunk i don't know what it is with tom hanks pissing in tom all his hanks films pissing and stuff so yeah he just loves to do it he <laughs> comes in his introduction Maybe he's got a tiny bladder <laughs> oh no he's yeah, well yeah, his not not judging or by this film bladder. yeah well yeah quite in this film he comes in his introduction to the team is him kind of pushing his way through this crowd of players and then pissing for 53 seconds uh and then <laughs> and then leaving again um and uh yeah and it's him about about him who's initially very reluctant to be like coaching girls baseball basically yeah. uh and then comes to realize that the team is actually full of good players and that they all like love the game and stuff like that and it's kind of his his journey back to sobriety and to actually giving a damn about the sport that he you know he's kind of ruined his knees so he can't play anymore yeah um and it's a great ensemble there's 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 such a great cast in it you've got madonna and rosie o'donnell as the kind of the two kind of next biggest names that's a, that's a fucking combination right there isn't it My yeah God. and they mm. very much are like they're this weird little duo who kind of they're follow forth, around yeah. each other uh where um madonna's character may used to be what used to be known as a taxi dancer which is where like at these kind of big public dances women who were like semi-professional dancers would get paid like 10 cents to dance with guys who didn't have partners kind of thing uh and then rosie o'donnell's character doris was like a bouncer at the same dances because <laughs> she's this kind of uh slightly more masculine figure um and there's a, a bunch of other great characters um in it as making up the rest of the team and then you've got like john lovitz as the baseball scout at the beginning who's this just puts in this wonderful like comic performance and then kind of disappears and mm. um yeah it, it's a genuinely great film like it's very much kind of classic sports stuff it is there's montages there is you know <laughs> underdogs facing adversity and you know it all comes down to this final play like i say baseball is very good at providing you with that like final moment of like it all comes down to this whether or not they can do this thing um it's i think it's really interesting as a historical thing because uh, as we matt kind of alluded to as the war goes on and the things start going better for you know the allies the men start coming back and the baseball owners are like no it's going to be fine next year we're going to have enough men to play foot uh, to play mm -hmm. baseball so uh we don't need you anymore ladies yeah Carry we, we same yeah thing we don't with the need factory, you anymore. same with every the job it's like i had a job yep, when you were going yep. to war it's like yeah, but I'm back now, so get out. Mm. Um, and in fact, the whole film has a, a kind of a... Um, What's it called? Bookend narrative, sort of like the idea yeah, of the flash a forward. Yeah, a bookend to it of uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame opening up an exhibit in 1988, which it, what it actually did, celebrating the, um, the AAG PBL uh, <laughs> um, as the kind of... Uh, it opened up a, a women in baseball kind of exhibition um and reunited this group of of women players and and yeah. kind of it was them seeing each other a lot of them seeing each other again for the first time and and stuff like that and so you have this you know and it's got a lot of stuff that you don't typically you know it's a sports movie where there's 
a chunk of time given over to like women in their 60s and 70s reuniting and playing softball <laughs> yeah. um you know it it has a moment where it acknowledges that like hey there were also a lot of people of color who were playing baseball at this time but even in the women's you know leagues they were segregated at the time so there were no black mm. players um it's like everyone's fucking great in it uh mm. gina davis is amazing apparently she was a last minute replacement for a couple of other people who were originally going to play dotty um and all the other actors had been doing this huge like baseball training because penny marshall who directed it she was like no everyone who does it has got to be able to play baseball you've got to do it yeah. for real yeah. you've yeah. got to do it for real they're pretty much no stunt work in the film um and all these other women have been like going through baseball boot camp basically of like getting better at the sport learning mm. how to slide and stuff like that and then gina davis came in at the last moment and was just like ah okay you know i've got like three weeks before we start filming uh and went on to become the best player amongst them because she's <laughs> just this amazing like i mean she's a she went on to be in the olympics uh in like the late 90s yeah she's uh, an olympian from archer yeah. isn't she yeah um it's insane yeah uh also just stunningly good looking in this film yeah tom hanks will probably be seen for a very long period of time if not for generations to come as one of America's greatest actors in the sense that he is beloved. Not necessarily the mm. best actor, but he is beloved. People watch he's, Twice. He's a sweetheart. He's he a is. national treasure, all that mm. kind of stuff. And I think Gina Davis kind of outshines him a lot through this film. I yeah. mean, oh, yeah. he stands Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Because it's Tom Hanks. Well, everyone's Tom Hanks, but... There's that great moment where it's them trying to signal oh, like, yes. the batting strategy. That's right. yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're using all these like little tugs on the cap and yeah. touching the shoulders that, that baseball coaches use to kind of signal without giving to the away to the other team exactly what they're, they're you mean the star wars revenge are. of the sith oh, i'm gonna do this plan now tug the beard mustache <laughs> yes uh <laughs> and it's her and him kind of having this like face off both of mm -hmm. them signaling these things it's such a great and obviously it's mostly it's basically silent of them just standing yeah. next to each other f increasingly furiously like miming out these things and and uh yeah and the poor person who's up to bat is just like, uh, wait, what, what am I doing now? Um, I also think like Laurie Petty, who's not someone who has had a, you know, a massive career. But she's, she's, cause she's mostly a pitcher mm. and it's in that final game and she's trying to get Dottie out and Dottie just like hits this great hit. And there's this moment where she's just in the dugout and just like crying and like, almost like having this like panic attack at how, she's fucked up and it's so good like that yeah. moment is just so raw in a film that's pretty lightweight for the most part um and you just feel the weight of what these women are trying to do and the weight of their rivalry and mm. their their complex relationship um yeah and i i yeah i just i love this film i think it looks great i think it's it's the kind of you know it, it it's <laughs> It's a film a bit like something like Hidden Figures is nowadays, where it's mm. kind of, it's that, hey, there's this whole part of history that we don't tend to learn about because it's women or it's people of colour doing it. And they are some of the most fascinating stories because, mm. you know, and we've said how most sports films are about underdogs or someone who in somehow becomes an underdog. And you have these people who are facing a whole other set of hurdles 
in order, you know, through society in order to be able to yeah. get the respect and get the audience and the acclaim that they deserve for for being, you know, these impressive athletes. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's great and it's fun, uh, and uh, everyone should watch it. I agree. I think it's one of those films that people talk about and have a lot of fondness for, but over recent years, people sort of forget. Actually, Laurie Petty is a good example of that. Laurie Petty's entire career, you go, she was in Point Break. Oh yeah, she was, she was great. She's in Free Willy. Oh yeah, she's good in that. She's in The Glass Shield. That's a, yes, a she good is film. Absolute, she is the perfect example of, oh yeah. yeah. She was, she's fucking she was tank really girl. girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, she's in like yeah, exactly. four seasons of Orange is the New mm -hmm, Black. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, and very standout and, in it, apparently. Mm. Uh, and actually, uh, there's, I believe, a League of Their Own remake or TV what? series is in the works. There was a TV series like briefly at the time. Yeah. Um, like, uh, yeah, a spin-off literally like the year later, 1993, that only lasted one season. Five, five of six episodes made were broadcast. Hmm. Uh Amazon apparently are rebooting it and uh the role that Tom Hanks played in the original uh is being played by Nick Offerman which I am fascinated oh, wow. to see. Oh wow. That that that's a bit more um bad news bears than I was expecting but that yeah <laughs> that works. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually it's got some it's got some interesting other people cast in it. But, mm -hmm. um so I I'm interested to see how that goes and what changes uh they bring because I believe they're also going there they are in in a move that is you know it, it's based on reality but there's a lot of you know fictionalization goes on in a league of their own i believe that they are having a like a non segregated league in the amazon version mm. um and and having some african american women play as well so i'm interested mm. to see how nice. that if that how that aspect is is explored but um yeah i think it, it's a great film um and and I think it's one that a lot of people have a lot of affection for. And I, I think mm. it holds up is the, is the important thing because I think a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of sports films where people are like, yeah, oh yeah, it's great. And it's like, what they actually mean is like, no, there's, there's two great scenes. There's like a speech <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then a really good montage. Mm -hmm. uh, so Matt. Yes. We come to the ballad of Ricky Bobby. Yeah. He wants to go fast. He does want to go fast for baby Jesus. Sweet, tiny baby Jesus specifically in his crib doesn't know anything yeah uh yeah <laughs> okay so after these emotionally hard-hitting very important films i'm going to justify talladega nights <laughs> talladega nights i was very torn with picking this it was my first thing that sort of jumped into my mind however as as the film i was going to select um partly because nascar is bullshit um <laughs> it is yeah it's circles and it's boring my dad loves F1, Formula One, and that is a it's much... It's also circles and boring. Uh, yeah, it's longer. <laughs> uh, but the point is, <laughs> it's, it requires... The, the, the courses aren't just a circle. They do more stuff, basically. It's, and they, they go much faster and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, the Le Mans with Ford versus Ferrari and all those various bits and pieces of Le Mans 66, there's more to it in that regard. Sure. NASCAR is not that way. NASCAR, as we know from films like Cars, the lights aren't real on the cars because you don't need lights because there's stadium lights. The car goes literally in one direction in a circle. The course is sort of the, the track is tilted as it were, so it goes round, 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 round. Um, and it is a remarkably 
American thing. And more than that, NASCAR is very much embraced mostly by the South, the Southern states. Um, not exclusively, but very largely. It has a reputation. It has um, a presence. And now what the reason I highlighted this movie, or wanted to highlight this movie, is because there are so many examples of people, politically, shall we say, in the center, on the left, whatever it is, who write films what they as they think the right would write them. Um, and they're always embarrassing. And one we will talk about later in our watch recently was America, the emotion picture, uh, the anime one on Netflix. Not good. This kind of movie is dangerously close to smart people writing a dumb person film and <laughs> being remarkably insensitive. But somehow... It is both insulting to anybody who supports NASCAR, but also has that layer, that, that, that air of roasting of like, yeah, he's got a point, you know, he's, yeah, it's fair, it's fair. Um, and it's, it's amazing how, how much this cuts through that. So the story is divided in two. On the one hand, you have Ricky Bobby. He wants to go fast, played by Will Ferrell. And he uh, was told by his shitty father, played by Gary Cole, that uh, if you're not first in life, you're last. And he took that as a mantra. And he wanted to get to like NASCAR and it's like racing fast. I got to do this, got to do this thing. And through happenstance, he takes the car around the first circuit as the person he's on the team for doesn't, doesn't give a shit anymore. Um, so he actually turns out to be a fantastic racer. And because of that, his best friend, who's played by uh, John C. Riley, comes up as well. And they have this sort of almost tag team duo. But it's very clear. Ricky Bobby is the best. He's going to be the first one, and um, his friend just helps him. And their, and their pit crew leader is Michael uh, Clark Duncan, and everything works for Bobby. Everything goes really well. He gets all the surface level, shallow bullshit that he wants in his life. He gets all the deals. He gets all the fame. He gets all the money. He gets this hot girlfriend and these two amazing kids called Walker and Texas Ranger. And <laughs> he hates his father-in-law and his mom stays away. All this shit happens. And then Sasha Baron Cohen, as a French homosexual Formula One driver, arrives and says, I'm going to beat you, Ricky Bobby, in this awful, you know, fucking accent. And it's so obviously a satirical comedy about mid 2000s George Bush America. We don't, these colors don't run. All right. Okay. We're not going to, I'm not going to back down from this and say, you can, you can stop now. I, 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 there's no shame in stopping. No, you don't, you, we don't get, we don't quit. We don't quit. Just say you love crepes or whatever it is. And that kind of thing. Oh, I love crepes, but I'm not going to say it because he wants me to. And then, and then literally he breaks his arm and he's like, Oh God. Oh God. He broke my, it's so like, just, just, be a person, be normal, for fuck's sake, you ridiculous nonsense of a man. And he goes to this, this persona, this personified idea of what America is and what his American is and what he is so much that he loses everything. He gets betrayed, arguably, by his very dumb best friend, John C. Riley, who takes his wife and his life and his car contract mm -hmm. and things like that. And uh, this, this, this French guy takes over as the best driver. Um, and he's, he's just disappointed because Ricky Bobby isn't what he thought he was going to be. And Will Ferrell has to go on a journey of rediscovery of what it means because he meets up with his father and his father's like, if you faint first, you're last. That's stupid. Like, but you told me I based my entire life on that. It's like, well, you could be second. You could be third. You could be anything. That's dumb. <laughs> it's like, you piece of shit. And it's like, yeah. And, and, and at the same time, his, uh, 
His mum, played by Jane Lynch, is this hard hit. Well, it's Jane fucking Lynch. She plays Jane Lynch, basically. Um, and she gets the kids in shape. <laughs> As and, Jane Lynch yeah. often does. And, and there's also this other, you know, this assistant who falls in love with him. He's played by fucking Amy Adams. It's insane how many people... <laughs> it was, it's off the back of, like, you know, off the back of Anchorman. It was going to have this huge cast. And it's fun and stupid and silly, but also kind of heartfelt. Um, and it's, it's kind of getting an inkling of what Adam McKay wanted to be doing. So Adam McKay directed Anchorman, glorious success, did this, wasn't a success, but people liked it, critically speaking, and things, people have a soft spot for it. Then he was like, I want to make this movie about the financial crisis. And they're like, fuck no, no fucking way, no way. Do Anchorman 2. I'll do Anchorman 2 if you let me do the big short. Fine. Anchorman 2, piece of shit, no one likes it. Big short, gets a lot of Oscar nods. It's like, oh, <laughs> can you do another one of these? Yeah, I wonder one about fucking uh, Dick Cheney. I want to call it Vice. It's like, all right, more Oscar nods. Adam McKay is very much suited to that kind of level of comedy. And this is the first inkling of that partnership. We can do the dumb, silly, you know, the room is spinning because of all the gayness, which is a, a weird, stupid line. And highlights how, you know, ridiculous this man is. And this man, let's face it, is America. Whereas deep down, that person actually is a good person. He just doesn't know because he's been misled by his forefather. It's like, oh, oh, no, it's America. I get it. Sorry. Yeah, it's something about America. He's doing a satire. It's just so buried. Um, but at the same time, it's got so many stupid throwaway jokes of like um, things that NASCAR fans would get. Like, they're like, God, these races are so talented, but fuck me, they can't talk. And things like... Um, the car, the car handle re real good. And he's like trying to grab the microphone. It's like, just you let it go. What do I do with my hands? Nothing. Just leave your hands down there. And they start creeping into shot. It's like, fuck's sake. It's so dumb. And at the same time, childishly endearing. Um, you know, you know, you gotta live with the fear, son. You're too afraid of driving. Because at one point, I should point out, he gets in a horrible car crash. Um, and is convinced he's burning and just keeps running around in his pants. He's like, oh my God, I'm back, I'm back, baby. He's like driving 10 miles an hour. And so his dad trains him by, says, you got to drive with a live cougar in the car. It's like, damn, daddy, <laughs> that kind of thing. And eventually he's driving down the street blindfolded and they drive him to a house. He's like, okay, nothing like driving with fear. So what I've done is I've, I've taped a load of cocaine to the bottom of your car and I've called the police, go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so stupid. It's a really dumb film, but it's actually, every it gets endearing. And so every time that it's like, um, I've got two tickets and I've always hear from my dad and my dad never turns up. That classic cliche of the, it takes the sports cliches of like Nick Nolte's character in Warrior, the very serious <laughs> thing, but turns it into an amazing Gary Cole, sort of like they're in Applebee's having a meal together and it's, isn't this nice? Yeah, we can always do this. And he goes, looks like I'm heading out. This is my scene. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm always on the open road. It's, it's, it's so stupid, but it is a great, and, and again, the reason I've highlighted it here specifically it's, it's a mid-2000s comedy. It's not going to age well. There's going to be a lot of problems. Uh, the jokes are obviously a lot of pop culture references. Not going to age well. It's very much geared to American products, American thing. And NASCAR is an American thing. It is not broadcast around the world as far as I'm aware. Nobody really supports it outside America. It's very much down to this. I mean, outside of cars, as in the film cars, it, NASCAR is not really a thing for people familiar with. Um, NASCAR might be, in fact, cars might be the first introduction a lot of people have to things like NASCAR, for example. Um, and yet, while it lampoons it and lambasts it and rips it to shreds, it's kind of loving at the same time. It does. It sort of does like what Rush and um, 
Days of Thunder and even Ford, and Fer Ford versus Ferrari does. It makes it compelling. And while those things are compelling because the the you know it's the narrative going on behind the scenes about the family and so on and so forth, and it's also the, the silliness of like I just want my best friend back, shake and bake, all that sort of stupid <laughs> shit, and the the ridiculous quotes from it, just as much as Anchorman, if not more so. Um, but it still ends up with this really well directed, rip roaring thing of these people ripping around this course at such high speeds that it's tense and you can follow it very easily because he's in the. As Tim said about you know that this is a make or break moment. He's in the lead. Oh, wait, hang on a minute. Cut to uh, gears shifting. Oh my God, he's gone past three people already. He's off the back of him. And the idea there's this old shake and bake sort of routine, which is John C. Riley gets on the bumper of the car, nudges him forward, then they go, he doesn't overtake. It's like, it's, it's a whole thing. It's so simple for the audience to get because the audience is NASCAR supporters. <laughs> no offense um, to our, you know, many NASCAR listeners, that Venn diagram of podcasting and NASCAR crossover. Um, so yeah, it's it's in the same way that Cars is a is a loving sort of portrayal of the same sort of thing, kind of. This is yeah another one, and it's another one where it's it, it, an introduction to sort of very very subtle satire, and something that may not be around for very long because at the end of the day, I remember when Cars came out and people were interviewing Paul Newman, and he said it was like he loves racing. He's, a, he's a, racing is a big thing for him. It's like yeah. And the immediate thing they said in the, in the mid 2000s, because I was in America when it came out, and this is just before he died, he said, do you think there's a future for NASCAR considering the oil and petrol in, is, is bad for the environment? And obviously this is a thing that's running out and fossil fuels are being burned off by this sport. Is it not pointless? And he said, it's American, damn it. <laughs> and, um, and I think that, again, something like this, you know, kicking a ball around, punching someone in the face, hitting a ball with a stick. Yes, the huge conglomerate side of it is going to be leave a very bad carbon footprint, shall we say, and very bad and exploitive industries. But in terms of cars going around in a circle over and over again, burning fuel, repitting pit stops so they can fuel up some more to go round and round again and burn fuel for arguably nothing is something that will not last. Unless you can do it'll electric just car. Get, it'll just get replaced with electric cars, Matt. I know, but you know. That's all that will happen. But it'll sound different. <laughs> and part of this movie is the sound. Um, they'll just, they'll just, all of them will have sound systems built in. So they see, still that, sound that like sounds NASCAR. to me like NASCAR all over. Like, say, with that, the lights thing. Yeah. That is a thing with electric cars, I think, isn't it? Like, because people can't hear hybrid cars coming because they start silently and stuff. So people have been putting. Yeah essentially fake exhaust noises into mm. it and stuff like that. Mm. So, yeah, I think they would keep that. And also, it sounds cooler and all that kind of stuff as well. Mm. <laughs> my my memory of, of Talladega Nights is very limited. I'd actually be interested in, in re-watching it. But um, the scene where he thinks that he's become paralysed oh, and sticks is... a knife in his leg yes. is genuinely hilarious. Um, I, I love that scene because you know, it's, it's it's him saying, I hope you have boys, beautiful, muscular, successful boys, and that they can't walk out there. And Michael just screams at him, don't you put that evil on me. It's, you're right. That, yeah. that scene's great. And then once the knife is in, they start trying to cut the knife out with other knives because they're all idiots. Yes. It's, it's so <laughs> stupid, but it's a great level of like satirical comedy about what America is doing at that moment in time. The whole like, you know, USA, USA, as well as... I know we'll cut around the flesh to get the knife out and we'll sort of chisel it out. It's like, what are you doing? I've never seen Tyler Dagger Nights, so I can't say anything about it. I don't like Will Ferrell. So. See, I don't know if I like Will Ferrell either. Yeah. 
But if you don't like Will Ferrell, it's a hard one to recommend. You get to get yeah. him watch, watch him be stabbed in the leg. Yeah, by himself <laughs> and others. Know, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, ha- I think I had my fill of Will Ferrell from Anchorman. Mm. And with this coming out, like, when he was the biggest thing. and I mean, it, it was almost pitched as, like, the sequel to Anch- Anchorman. Yeah, at the, time. the next exactly. big character. That's, that, and it's, it's better than the sequel to Anchorman, which is... Yeah. On the bad sequel list, okay. Command <laughs> Two is terrible. Um, I remember, and we we touched on this in the Austin Powers episode, and having that kind of like cultural moment mm. where everyone you know is quoting this one film mm. yep. over and over and over again. I thoroughly reached like oversaturation of Will Ferrell. That's fair. I was like, I if I never see Will Ferrell again, I'll be fine. I've had my fill. Thank you very much. And I'm sure I'm offending a load of people who love Will Ferrell. That's the nature but, of all people comedy. Yeah. yeah. Subjective. And maybe I'll watch it one day. Probably not. I'm sorry, Matt, to, to break your heart. I, that's the thing. I, 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 I don't I need you to. That's, that's not a problem. Because again, I'm, I'm, I'm... You've seen all the films for me. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's Again, me highlighting this isn't necessarily a recommendation. That's the key point. Usually it is. I'm like, definitely watch it. Talladega Nights is like, if you like a certain type of comedy, you should check it out. But mm. there's going to be a... a specific quota in the same way that when we say like god if you love this movie watch it it's like i don't like horror oh don't watch it then fucking hell don't watch any of these films they're terrible for you at least that that kind of thing yeah well those are three interesting films a variety of types and genres and sports included as well from nascar to mma to women's baseball if you have any favourites or any particularly interesting picks for sports movies, please do let us know. Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We are Sequelizers on all the social media. And come and join us in our Discord as well. The link is in the pinned tweet on our Twitter profile. And also there's a link on Sequelizers.com where you can also find links to the shop, links to the Patreon, links to all the social media stuff, and all the podcast platforms, our YouTube channel for our live streams, all that kind of good stuff easily found in the hub of information that is our website. Matt, if they want to follow you on the social medias, how can they do that? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to the Red Right Hand or Cody UK to read my reviews. You can go to cheesemint.com to see the things that I make. Tim, you fucking home run of a person. <laughs> where can people follow you and support you and wear your clothes? That was one of the most aggressive compliments I think I've ever heard. <laughs> I only do compliments that are so terrifying you don't have to do with them. <laughs> um, you can follow me on trivia underscore lad uh, uh, where I will not be tweeting about sports pretty much at all uh, <laughs> apart from Blaseball, which is the ridiculous internet simulation of horror-tinged baseball uh, <laughs> that I occasionally follow. Um, but uh, I'll be talking about other stuff as well. So come follow me there, and uh, that is where I will be sharing any interesting stuff that I have done. Jack, if people want to slide into your home base, uh, <laughs> where 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 can they do that? Good fucking luck. You can... <laughs> Fight, try and fight Emma, but you'll lose. She's terrifying. We have a local She'll home base. It's a store. Hardware. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm more of a B&Q or a screw fix man myself. 
that's a that's a British hardware store reference for you, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to come and talk British hardware stores or MMA with me on Twitter, I am JLW Chambers. Uh, most of my tweets are either screw fix or B and Q related. <laughs> Occasionally, also talking about the podcast, John Wicks, some sports, John Wicks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no one's getting these jokes. Or, or the... <laughs> <laughs> some people are. That's true. That's true. They're, they're like internationalists, like six the guys who like work in B and Qs and screw fixes and Wicks across the UK are like, yes. This is what American hu- comedies are like when they're films. You watch and think, what the fuck are these stores you're referencing? I don't get these jokes. Well, now you know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't know what a Home Depot is. I barely even know what a depot is. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have those here. <laughs> but yes, if you want to follow me, I am JLW Chambers. And we will be back next week with more interseason goodness. With something... A little bit different. I know I say that every time, but that's just remarkably different. <laughs> quite different to sports films, and it is a subject we've uh, we've been thinking about doing for a long, long time now. Mm. And I know Matt will certainly have a lot to say. No, no surprises there. Welcome to see. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, we've like I said, we've got some exclusive episodes coming up as part of the interseason. We'll be recording those soon as well. There'll be a couple of those strewn throughout before we get mm. back around to season nine later on in the year. But until then, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.